0: Thank no.
1: Welcome back to Diaries of the Wild Ones. Once again, a huge thank you to Wild Earth Australia for supporting me in the adventurous lifestyle. If you guys need any gear for your next adventure—running, camping, climbing, hiking—you guys name it, these guys have it. So go to wildearth.com.au and put in the 10% discount code Diaries of the Wild Ones, all one word, capital letters. Also, a huge thank you to Free Brewing Co. Organic preservative free beer. You'll find them at Dan Murphy's and BWS. Big black can, silver letters that say free. Organic preservative free beer. It's a no brainer. Enjoy, guys. (laughs) You're about to meet the adventure lord, Henry Bryden, the powerhouse behind the company We Are Explorers, a company that's all about inspiring people to get out in the outdoors. And I just love that their founder, Henry, is a proper adventure seeker. Now, check out what this guy did. Try imagine this for a second. Henry and his mate Jamie got on push bikes. That's it, bicycles. They cycled from England to Sydney, Australia. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what a freaking adventure. They rode across the world, people. Like, what a way to see the world. You're about to hear all about it. We could do multiple podcasts on this trip alone, but this podcast is inspiring. It gave me butterflies, and I left it just wanting to do something incredible. After recording this, I started riding my bike from where I live down the country road into town, and it was just so amazing just to slow down on that road, see nature from a different perspective. And it gave me so much respect for the trip that these guys did. Like, it's wild. You know, pushing a bike through knee deep snow when they were doing mountain crossings to like riding through 50 degree heat in deserts. It's just like, what an incredible adventure. And I think you guys are going to love this one. Enjoy. Testing. Okay, you comfortable?
0: Yeah, I'm, com- I'm comfy, mate. I'm comfy. You're right. Did, did you pick up all the... um
1: Yeah. but All oh, the creaking of the your cre- chair. The creaking, right? That's yeah. my spine. Oh, man. I did a podcast. I've done two now sitting on beanbags. And it's okay. so funny. You move around. It's like... <laughs> but it's just like whatever. I kind of... It's funny because a mate said to me... that Because I said like, Oh, I kind of like a bit of background noise because it makes mm. it real because it's where I'm doing. It. I'm not doing it in a studio. Like I, wa- I want to do podcasts on the road, like traveling yeah. and meeting people. Not this serious, shouldn't you know mm. what I mean? Yeah. And I've been thinking lately of getting um, a couple of like Bluetooth mics that you can strap to yourself and I can just put the recorder in the mm. bag and go hike. You oh, know like what I mean? A, like, like a
0: lapel mic. Sort of yeah. Thing and mean. like
1: imagine going on an adventure uh-huh. with someone, like say you go with like a rock climber mm. and you go on a hike and through to get to some ledge to climb or whatever. Yeah. Or some, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you take all the gear and you do the podcast while you're oh, traveling. Oh. So it's like, I don't know. For, for me, having a little bit of background noise. Just kind of makes us, so I don't mind it. It's real.
0: I think and particularly if it's, uh, if you're outdoors as well, the noise would be quite, quite nice. And in the office, you don't want to hear fucking air conditioning units and, yeah, you know, office chairs creaking. Office chair.
1: Well, actually, I, like I said that to my mate the other day and he goes, oh yeah, no, that's cool. But me personally, I can't stand hearing anything in the background when I'm <laughs> listening to a podcast. But it's like me personally, yeah. like I can't stand Zoom podcasts.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think people- yeah. Yeah, good. people
1: keep trying to Zoom podcasts with me and it's mm. like I'm missing out on a lot of really good stories mm. because of that. Yeah. But I can't seem to do it. For one, the connection. Mm. I, I want to sit and meet that person, have that connection. But two, when I listen to it, as soon as I start listening to podcasts that's done via Zoom and it has that like robotic sound or mm. that distant sound, yeah, I stop because I, I can't get the, yeah. I don't know, I'm not in the zone with it. It's, it's hard like, Yeah. So anyway, that's not going to happen with us. <laughs> but But Henry, Henry. Like I was just telling you before, so excited about this one because I've been trying to get you for a long
0: time. <laughs> I'm playing it hard to get.
1: I oh, know you've been playing hard. Well, actually, it's just you know the universe lines up and it's lined up and yeah. we're here. And this is yeah. I was just telling you, it's been such a good week for me. I'm mm. um, doing a couple of podcasts, lining up with a few people mm. that are really sparking my aven- adventurous spirit, really sparking like my nomadic spirit. My um, the thing what I forget about me that has been coming through these stories and I and and when I talk to you lightly about the stuff you've done, my backpacking life comes out, you know, like right now, you know, like especially tripping around Australia, like I do it in my troopy. It's like not, you know, it's, it's different. There's so many different types of traveling, especially adventure traveling. But when it takes me back to my early twenties, when I just had a backpack and I'm Mm. just hiking around the world, just that it was so raw and wild. Mm. And then, and then you, so
0: you're the, um, like you're the, What's your role for We Are Explorers? It's hmm, a good question. Uh, I think I probably wear a few hats, but I, I suppose um, I'm the founder of We Are Explorers, so I started it, you know, five or six years ago. I honestly don't know what my job title is. You know, CEO sounds really wanky, doesn't it? Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But unless you're like in the right crowd, then you're like, oh, oh a yeah, CEO. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, on,
0: it's on the business card. Um, no, I don't have business cards. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose I'm, I'm kind of, I think the visionary behind uh, behind We Are Explorers, and I'm trying to sort of. Um, you know gather together some pretty cool people to to achieve some good stuff with the business so i suppose i'm i'm leading the business so yeah. so what is what is we are explorers yeah so we're like an adventure media company and you know our mission in everything that we do is to get people outdoors basically we want to get people into the into the outdoors we want to connect them to nature in an adventurous way and that can be hanging off a cliff that can be taking your kids to a waterfall for for the afternoon for a, for you know for a picnic where you're not going to see anyone else you know adventure means a lot of things to to a lot of people and the idea is even in the name we are explorers is that you know we're all explorers right you know yeah. we're all born to kind of get out outdoors and we express it in different ways and we sort of celebrate that um i, I think that kind of uh, newer take on adventure um and uh, because we believe that just by getting people into that uh, into the outdoors connect them to nature they're going to give more of a fuck about looking after it quite yeah. simply i think i've got a quote on the wall here from good old attenborough which pretty much sums it up you know no one will protect what they don't care about and no one will care about uh what they have never experienced and that's pretty much it isn't it um, yeah. you know you, you're not gonna you, you know i think we hear a lot about climate change and how the world's fucked but it, it feels like quite a distant problem until you get people out there and and, and really yeah connecting to, to to it so
1: i was literally talking about this with jake taylor like y- you know like it's like for, i remember last year like i went to the dane tree Mm. and i'm sitting in the oldest rainforest in the world and i'm sitting there and they're fighting to protect it Mm. and once i was there feeling the energy looking at the place i was like why do they need a fight to protect this place Mm. why is it not protected you know what i mean like what the fuck are they cutting off like artery main arteries of the dane tree and like for farmland and stuff i was just like why is that even a thing Mm. and it's like if I was sitting at home before I went there, mm. it would be like, "Oh yeah, some rainforest, oh they? You know, doing a bit more def- deforestation." You'd be like, "Oh, well, that sucks." Mm. But you don't have that connection. And then suddenly I went there, and that's the same thing. Once you experience it, you know. So I kind of, I, I can see your mission too. Like, the more for for your own love for the outdoors, mm. if you get other people to fall in love with it, they're going to want to protect it.
0: Totally right. And and the daintree is a brilliant example. I mean, I. You know, we, we did a project um, a couple of years ago, uh, partnering up with an incredible group called the Rainforest Four Foundation. And we basically raised a heap of money and bought a hectare of the rainforest up there that was sort of privately owned. And if we hadn't bought it, there was a high chance that someone else would have bought it and had basically ripped this ancient, you know, oldest rainforest in the world down. Yeah, you know, there's tree kangaroos, there's cassowaries up there. You know, they could have just destroyed it and built a new house on it. And essentially what we did is we clubbed together with our, with our audience I think we had about three three hundred people, um, or so, chip in money to buy a square foot each of that land, and they could buy more than one square foot, but the minimum was like one square foot, and and we did it. We raised this money. We bought the land from this from this person. We've handed it back over to the indigenous mob up there and to national park, so it's going to be protected forever.
1: That is um, so good.
0: Yeah, and and I think it was it was pretty cool because a little bit to that quote as well. Like what we're doing is, you know, we're connecting people to the issue in a more real way than i don't know like someone on the street holding a bucket out saying you know save the planet you know this is come and buy a square foot of the daintree rainforest this particular hectare you can go and stand on that hectare one day next to the tree that you've essentially you know saved and that's a very different way of thinking about change isn't it Um, a different way of connection as well yeah totally you know people can actually yeah, really viscerally kind of connect to the issue of you know this particular rainforest and, and the greater sort of problems that i think um It sort of stands for, yeah.
1: That connection. I've been loving that. I've been loving this, like the natural world. Mm. Like phrasing it that way, Mm. you know, connecting people back to the natural world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, yeah, I need it. I need it. But for (laughs) you yourself, okay. So we are explorers. Mm. This company trying to showcase that. So like Mm. you yourself, and that's why we're sitting here today because you know, like you've had your own journey, you've had your own um, traveling journey, your own exploring journey, your own spark within you to go out and, and see stuff. But I suppose that we're sitting here today because you, you did something that I'm going to call incredible. Like, it's like, I, I've met people all around the world in, in, on my travels doing like really cool stuff. Like right now, we've got the Barefoot Dutchman. He's mm. doing a world record walking barefoot from mm. Cairns down to Sydney. Mm. Like, <laughs> oh, incredible. But it's just like, I've got, I've got to say, what's there was a pinnacle moment that sparked a huge like traveling desire in me mm. was when I was about 16 years old. I was at, my best mate's place, Leif Emberg, Jay Sandberg and Josh Emberg, three brothers. I was at their place and there was a photo of their dad with their uncle on two bikes with their backpacks and everything. It was in the 70s and they were riding through South America. Whoa. And, I was, and that photo always sparked in me. Like, mm. I'm like, whoa. And then I got talking to them. and they were, In the 70s, they went through... They were in freaking Russia when it was getting gassed. No, no, no not Russia. They were, in, they were in Iran when it was getting gassed. Or Iraq, Iran. When I was getting ga- mm. gas by Russia and they had to get wet towels and um, put it like under the door to stop the gas coming in. He was telling me stories about like hiking through Sumatra in the seventies, like camping in tents and everything <laughs> and like wild pigs running at him. And just like, like mm. just the, all these random stories that sparked within me. And then when I, when I went on my trips, I started meeting other people that had that same spark that had that same thing that were doing it, riding bikes that were like hiking, like walking across countries, skating across countries, doing all these like mm. things just to put them in that scenario of pretty much open to like open to experience. Mm. But okay, okay. And so this is how I want to lead into your trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> where you go, yeah, 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 yeah. So so you yourself, you had this idea and this is, yeah. this is this is my first question for you. Where did this idea even come from? Mm. What was the idea?
0: I suppose it's a big question because i think it was a lot of a lot of things that led to making that decision i think ultimately you know it wasn't just a you know out of the blue i'm going to get on a bike and ride a long way i mean ultimately that's kind of what it was but i think what led me to that decision was um was a bit more complicated i don't know i think you know i think taking it back to being a kid even like in the uk growing up pretty steady pretty steady lifestyle I, i'm pretty fortunate you know i grew up in a really nice family nice part of the uk little place called shrewsbury in shropshire both very english sounding places and yeah i kind of like ended up going through i think i just went through the motions growing up um, up until i was in my early 20s to be honest like you know school and and i took a year out after school and um actually came to work in a school in sydney and, and teach sport down there and then i went back to the uk and, and went through uni and then i was just on the sort of treadmill. You know, I, I kind of ended up in the, in the big smoke in London, working in a recruitment job, you know, sat at a desk, you know, as a 21, 22 year old thinking, hang on a sec, what, how did I end up here? Like this is, and I, and I, but, I, but I think I was just a bit blinkered by the the general flow that it's the people around me were sort of going on which was school fucking uni get down to get down to um you know to the city and make a buck and and kick things off and you know that was
1: a story that was sold to you you know you know what everyone was doing it was like yeah do this and like you'll be safe you'll have security but you know like that's also like that's everyone's or their ideals but not necessarily yours
0: exactly yeah exactly and it was sort of I mean, don't get me wrong. I had some some great times growing up, but but I think behind it all, you know, it, it was sort of this trajectory that was sort of I felt a bit uncomfortable with, um, and so I, I ended up heading over to uh, work in the Middle East uh, in Dubai for a couple, uh, for a year, and and that was where this 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 moment began to sort of really creep up, because I went to go and do a similar job over there you know yeah albeit in the middle of this fucking wild desert and had a great year
1: so in a way you, you always had like a bit of an adventurous spirit you know what I mean like by being young and like going to work in Australia or now like going so even though you're in this like I wouldn't say Monday you're, you're doing something that isn't I'm gonna guess not feeding your soul as much as what you wanted yeah you're, you're still in a way like going yeah. like you had that adventurous spirit within you
0: big time I mean I'm talking you know I mean outside of that you know I, I, any opportunity i could get to travel to go backpacking i worked in the states i worked in you know australia growing you know growing up like i was getting out there as much as possible but this thing was sort of pulling me back to the uk and sort of this convention this draw to sort of convention in a way and it was sort of it just didn't sit very well with me yeah and so living in the middle east was um a big bit of a defining moment because i, I remember you know being in the literally in the fucking middle of the, the desert and Feeling like I had all this energy to do something really interesting, you know. At this time, I was like twenty three, twenty four. You know, a pretty ambitious person, and I just felt like it was getting totally lost in some of the decisions that I was making, um, and uh, and it all sort of started to come kind of crashing down in a way. Like I went back to the went back to the UK for a holiday to sort of catch up with mates and see the family, and and I I just felt really kind of yeah i I remember like going back heading back on the plane to to, to dubai and saying goodbye to family and friends and i was just thinking i've got to do something fucking different here like i'm i'm not happy where i am in dubai like i need to make a change i guess as a side to this i've been reading around a lot for the previous years around um you know adventures and, and and the ways that people can sort of travel the world outside of just traditional kind of backpacking yeah um You know, I was always drawn to these books uh, of people that were kind of trying to do adventure a little bit differently. Did you think you were one of those people, Bart? Yeah, I Mm. I, I always
1: find that, like, I love watching alone because it's a survivalist,
0: you know, I just love it. I'm deep in alone at the moment. Yeah, Yeah, but it's just like,
1: you know, you have this thing sometimes when you're watching something and you're so drawn to it because that's what you're interested in, Mm. but you kind of think it's not for you Mm. because you're like, oh, that's what they do. Yeah. You know what I mean, but there's sometimes a pinnacle moment. It's like, oh, but they weren't always that person. They had to learn. You know what I mean? It's that taking that step. So it's like, you know, like when you were sparked, like you know, when this idea is getting sparked in mm. you, and like you're you're being interested in how these people are like traveling in those ways. Mm. Did you think you were capable of that, or were you just interested?
0: Yeah, no, I, exactly right. I, I felt quite distant. I mean, it was like um, it was like reading fiction, you know, but it was real, you know, and and and. These guys seemed, you know, some of them seemed relatively superhuman almost in in their ability to do some of these things. And and I just didn't feel massively connected to some of them. And then I read a book by a guy called um, Al Humphreys, Alistair Humphreys, who has become uh, a bit of a, I guess, a godfather of of sort of bicycle kind of travel um, in that he had been a 23, 24 year old um, who'd also gone down sort of a similar path and had made this fucking big life decision to pack it all in and ride around the world on a bike for four years by himself and the way that he wrote was was kind of different it was so down to earth you know he wasn't afraid to say that he was fucking crying into his jam sandwich you know every other day it seemed because he was just questioning you know his ability and his sanity and what he was doing and he just he wrote about adventure in such a real raw and accessible way for me that i thought okay well showed all sides that really resonated with me um and so whilst i'm feeling this this um you know this these asking myself these questions living in over in the, in dubai i thought i'm gonna look into this i'm actually just gonna just find out if i can actually do it and and actually there was
1: the seeds planted yeah I it was just that. it
0: was that moment i remember it was literally just in in the desert Going, i'm actually just gonna i'm just gonna have a crack at this and just see what needs to be done and so while i was back in the uk on that on that final sort of trip trip back i had organized to catch up with somebody who was a friend of a friend. His name was jamie jamie king and I'd heard that he was also at a similar juncture in his life. You know, he was kind of working the city, very um, uh, you know, uns- unsettled in what he was doing and wanted to get on a bike and, and cycle, cycle somewhere. And so on the last night um, of that trip in London, I went out for beers with him in Soho. And I think within an hour we were hugging. It was game on, basically. Oh my God, that is so sick. Yeah. So you, just, you went and met up with this
1: dude and you're like, hey, like, so you're kind of feeling out. Did you did you just vibe? So you obviously just vibed.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had a good feeling he, he wasn't going to be a, a total douchebag because he was a, a good friend of a good friend. Yeah. But it was just straight away with Jamie. It was absolutely straight away. We just connected. and um, And I think what we uncovered very quickly was the motivations behind doing the trip. And it wasn't to be some endurance exercise of you know how far can we go how many kilometers can we do do in a day what bike are you riding you know you're going to be doing it in like it it wasn't about speed or endurance or or sort of breaking any records it was it was a means he'd been reading books as well and, and done some of his research his intentions were to use the bicycle as a vehicle for a very different way of traveling traveling the world he also had no money, really, uh, but just big ideas and a lot of ambition, and and that was the real connection point for me because I, I think where trips can go quite wrong when you go with someone else is that um, the the, ex- the motivations behind it yeah. are different, and if they're misaligned, that's where things can go tits up.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I. I've, it's a big thing for me to feel people out before i go on trips with them mm. I've, I've talked about it before i can't travel with beauty queens like as in mm. like for me like i really need to feel someone out that they're in it for the reason of like letting go and letting the experience take you traveling and just going and just having fun with the experience yeah you know what i mean because i can't i can't be with someone who like let's say we check into a hostel and they're like we've booked a tour at seven o'clock tonight I'm like, yeah, okay, that's cool. And then suddenly we meet all these people, and everyone's vibing, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to this thing tonight. Let's go!" And they're like, "No, we have to do this." Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh, this isn't going to work for me if you if you got to control the experience." Totally. You know what I mean? So it's like I need to I need to travel with someone that's just willing to just let go.
0: Yeah. And that is Jamie to a, to a T. I mean, Jamie's gone on to become, you know, he married you know me and my now wife, you know, Susie. You know, he was the guy who sort of ran the service. He's you know, godfather to my kid. You know, we became. Incredibly nice. close. You did something you know, amazing together. Incredibly close. And, you know, I was, um, there's something going on that, that brought us together, you know, at that, at that moment in time, in that, in that pub in, in Soho. It was it was meant to be. And and we had this, you know, we sunk six or seven pints. We got absolutely shit-faced. And, um, and then I got back on, a, on the plane and headed over to Dubai, back to this life that I was very unsure about. But that feeling that I had on the plane, I remember like pulling out a notepad and I just filled it with notes about, what I was going to do, what I needed yeah. to do, the, the sort of practical stuff, the dreamy stuff, the where are we going to go? How I, excited were you in this?
1: Dude, it was the most
0: market. exciting time, literally the most exciting time. That plane ride back, I just felt like this is what I needed. This is this is the this is the right passage that I needed. You know, yeah. it was it was a serious exciting time. Got into the office the next day, and the first thing I did was got an email to Jamie, and I said, look, I know we got absolutely arseholed last night, but we talked about some pretty big shit. And as far as I'm concerned, it's game on. And I got an email back, like, within a minute from Jamie. And he was, like, literally in the process of, like, sending you an email to say exactly the same thing. It's like, we agreed we're going in March. You know, it's now, I think it was July at the time. And we agreed that we were just going to try and save some money. Six, seven, eight, nine. I think, nine it, was, I think right? it was about nine months we had to basically just raise save some money, get a bike, you know. And and, and to out. keep the dream alive. Because yeah. it's a
1: long time, nine months. It is. It's, like... yeah, it's a
0: good point. I think, I think a lot of people can be a lot more impulsive and, and rightly so i think for us um we knew that we needed to get a lot of gear and and we needed to save money to do that so we kind of thought okay we need to do this amount of work and to kind of raise the, the money to go um when i say raise the money our budget was five euros a day do you know yeah. what i mean it wasn't as if we were staying in hotels and 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 going on paid experiences we were doing you know on, on nothing, really. How,
1: how did you work out like you could get by with like five euro a day?
0: Uh just from chatting to. It, there's, there's a bit of what I found once we started really planning it was there's a bit of a fraternity of these like long distance cyclists out there, yeah. and everyone is like really keen to help. You know, yeah. they just want to get everyone else on on bikes. So, you know, you find these like this is in 2010, yeah, 2010 or 2009 when we were planning it, and so there was lots of like real geeky blogs out there, and you just sort of get in touch with people and they give you tips on. You know what to do and and where to avoid and all that sort of stuff so we kind of we wanted to put together a loose plan and initially we were like how far are we going and man initially for me it was like man do you reckon we can cycle to istanbul like the other, other the other side of europe and uh, and jamie's like yeah that'd be fucking sick yeah he's like what about china and i was like <laughs> oh yeah let's go let's go to china <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it just sort of escalated and then we thought okay where's the furthest we can go <laughs> away from home and uh we landed on you know sydney, sydney new zealand sort of territory um, and so all of a sudden it went from being this like maybe across, a, you know, Europe to, you know, and therefore like maybe a three to six month trip to like, well, this is going to be like a two year trip. Does that like, overwhelm you or excite you? I think at that point I sort of lost all concept of like time. I was just so yeah. excited about the idea of just going that, yeah. um, you know, uh, and, and also not trying to be too fixated. We, we, we weren't trying to be too fixated on... On, on the
1: destination. On it was the just def- like, let's go. If we make it there, that'll yeah. be sick. But that's where we're heading. It, we exactly. run out of money, whatever just go exactly
0: yeah but you know it's kind of nice to have you know a bit of a, a bit of an a you know somewhere to Goal, aim for yeah. you know? but yeah sort of quick quickly escalated we we saved the money and um I, we we hung out one we did like this little <laughs> we did this little practice trip you know where we got just to get to know each other a bit better and we went away camping and uh it was a very very wet weekend in england and we suckled up into somewhere in oxfordshire and slept in a random woodland and. And I, and I came away from that thinking I've picked a good dude to do this trip with, you know, like, um, didn't try and touch me up in the tent. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, First. Yeah. F- tick. <laughs> it'd been quite nice on the, co- yeah, yeah. On the colder evening. It doesn't get fair.
1: weird in wet, cold evenings. <laughs>
0: tick. <laughs> but we just had this great, we had this great week. And, and then, and then, yeah, we sort of, we partied once in, in London and then we set off and, uh, we had this, uh, we, we we all met up with a lot of our mates at a pub on us a, on a, on a, I think it was a bank holiday Monday it was, a th- it was the 3rd of uh, yeah 3rd of March I think it was and uh, yeah we all met in this in this pub in Wandsworth and uh, so March because it's coming into summer so like th- what you'll soon realise as we talk about the trip is that we didn't really think about dates and seasons and stuff like that uh, we sort of mistimed everything really in terms of we were in the cold places when we shouldn't have been <laughs> and we were in the hot places when we shouldn't have been as well <laughs> yeah. Uh I think, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it, happened. Oh, it was actually, it was May, it was May, it was the 3rd of May um, that we set off. So yeah, it was heading into summer and yeah, I think maybe coming back, it probably was to think about easing ourselves into a big trip with a summer, a summer in Europe, you know, where um, Europe's quite a pleasant place to, to cycle really, it's some big mountains, but um, you know, yeah, doing it in the summer is definitely the time to go. So,
1: so when you're first planning, because like right now we're up to like, you're you're setting off. Yeah. But... Two quick, like what? What did you pack? Like what did you know you, you needed to take? Mm. And then where, like where had you planned to be camping?
0: Oh, we didn't. I mean, we just didn't plan at all. We we planned as far as getting into France. So we got a, we booked a ferry, um, and uh, it took us two days or something to get from from London to, to to Dover, and then we got on a ferry and and we. This is also before. This is before kind of smartphones really took off as well. So we had one paper map for the whole, for the whole of Europe. Sick. <laughs> so like France was like this big. Yeah. So we couldn't even, it, it's, it sounds ridiculous not even thinking about it, but w- we didn't really have a detailed route at all for the whole trip. Uh, so because, because even the maps that we had didn't even have the roads on that we were <laughs> cycling on. I remember in, uh, in, I remember in Serbia asking for directions to Kosovo you know be yeah. like do you, do you, we, we wanted to we were heading yeah, down through that region and um we were lost and we were like and they were like where's your map we don't know but can you tell us where Kosovo is please <laughs> it's well that way so we were having directions to countries let yeah. alone like towns and roads and stuff so yeah so we didn't plan at all man we just we, we just got in fact, i've got the bike here man that's the bike yeah i was wondering that when i was gonna...
1: looking at. he's gonna get the bike oh, i can't believe this stuff it's so good because you've literally just taken off into the unknown wow and so, this bike would mean so much to you.
0: Well,
1: yeah, I kind of dusted it down um, the other day. So, um. yeah, look, look at it. So, um, I've just secured one of these oh, off for of mate. It? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I was going to buy it, but it looks like I'm just going to borrow it for as long as I want because he's going away. But it's got all the bags, these straps and everything like the, the front stuff, like the, those little things that they, they rode it across the States. And I think they did another bike trip across New Zealand, so like it's all, it's all ready to go. And I was just thinking, because I've just had this knee operation in about two months, three months, like that's the perfect thing to do. Oh, fantastic! You know, the best thing to do for your knees to ride, yeah, you're not, which you're probably going to have strong knees for life.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, got, I got very cycling fit during that time for sure. But you know, tell me to go for a 5k run and I would have struggled, but tell me to cycle up a you know mountain range for for sort of two weeks straight, it wasn't, wasn't a problem. But uh, but yeah, man. The, um, yeah, we got this bike, and I got it off eBay for you know a second hand, and and so had to get all that sort of stuff sorted. But but yeah, I mean, in terms of the gear that we that we got, mate, it was um that's quite a fun part of the trip of trip planning. I mean, you know about getting gear yeah. and you know um, what you
1: think you need, what you don't need, exactly. what you didn't take, which you do need,
0: <laughs> and you can get it carried away,
1: right? You can yeah. get a lot of shit. That you oh, control. just take that, and you're like, why did I just carry this thing across freaking yeah. two continent? Oh man. <laughs> I, would like, backpacked across South... Like, everywhere was always with surfboards. Mm. You know what I mean? And everything that you think you need and, like, multiple surfboards. Like, I was in the Atacama Desert with surfboards. <laughs> like, in, in South America. It's just like, what? Like, so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> like, so annoying.
0: So, yeah, but, like, did you take
1: a tent? Yeah, tent, yeah. So, sleeping bag? So, any
0: cooking? Yeah, man. So, we had... We were basically totally self-sufficient. You know, we had everything that we needed to... So yeah uh, did
1: you and, have a budget to camp, stay in hostels or was it just going to be camping
0: uh yeah just camping or getting invited into people's houses which is what ended up happening quite a lot so um you know hostels and stuff are cheap once you get over to southeast asia aren't they but 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 in europe it's pretty spenny and we we did i mean we yeah we camped we we actually blagged a free a free night at a hotel you know we did um just got invited into random people's houses quite a bit um in europe but but yeah, we kind of had everything that we needed to just go and sleep wild. And, and man, that was one of the big draws for, for the trip was the wild camping. I mean, that that was looking back, probably one of the most exciting parts of the adventure is that really exciting stage of the day where the sun's starting to go down and you sort of go into that primitive mode that you're trying to find some yeah. shelter for the night. And, you, you know, you, whether you're camping or in a van, you know, you, it's, uh, it's a lot of um, covert behavior that has to sort of happen. And, and you become brilliant at just scoping out the right spots, and and the right times to sort of dive in there we love that and 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 that was also the time that we really got to know each other and that was the time that we really got to really connect to what we were doing was through you know getting a fire going and putting the tent up and um that was one of the main reasons i wanted to go on the trip was to camp basically
1: what would happen if you're in a city well or a big town and like you you know like would you ride outside of town or would you just be like let's just go in this park
0: yeah. Oh, we just yeah. We we slept in a few parks, a few park benches, but we 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 tend to pop into cities to you know stock up on whatever we might need to to get. You know, we're, we're driving through these like beautiful historic cities like you know Vienna and yeah you know, Budapest and all this sort of stuff. So we would definitely try and stay there um this is when couch surfing was more of a thing oh yeah 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 yeah. before airbnb came along and just monetized it i suppose yeah but you know couch surfing was for those that you know it was yeah, huge it was a huge thing and it was basically staying for free with people all over the world who'd give you yeah, originally their that, that couch or they might have a spare room or a, a black mattress or something like that and it was just a website that you hopped on and and if you were doing something kind of interesting as you were traveling around the world that tended to be a bit more appealing for people so we would sort of you know a few days out from a city we'd say look we're going to be in Budapest in a few days time and we'd send a few messages out and we'd often get one or two offers for a couch for a couple of nights so yeah from memory actually that was actually how we ended up sort of managing to stay in cities was because we'd stay places for free and, couch yeah. and, yeah. couch and
1: also like getting showers and stuff
0: yeah 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 exactly <laughs> right. I mean. like, yeah. You're right yeah yeah how,
1: okay yeah, yeah how like comfortable did you get with being feral you know what I mean? Like, you know, like when you, you, you're traveling, especially with a mate and yeah. you're backpacking or whatever, or you're hiking and it just, you just both get to the point where like, yeah, we don't need a shower. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, did, you would have just gotten so used to it. You're riding a push bike. Like we would have been, we just getting sweaty.
0: Oh, dude, did. It was horrible. Um, absolutely. I mean, we, were, we would describe ourselves as like hobos on wheels, really, rather yeah. than sort of, you know, vagabonds or anything.
1: Would you say that on your um, couch surfing
0: profile? Because,
1: <laughs> like, like, I've been that, like, a hiking or, or a big trip and then someone's picked me up to stay at a place and you yeah. just stink. and you're Yeah, like, dude, I'm like, so like, sorry. I'm just, yeah, you're yeah. like, I've just been hiking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I think
0: they were quite, kind of forgiving. A lot of people that we did end up staying with were people who'd done, you know, big bicycle trips themselves. So they were very understanding of the kiff that comes from the armpits of people that, that, yeah. that do these sorts of trips. <laughs> but man, I broke a record, I reckon, an unofficial world record. I think it was 27 days without a bar, without any kind of shower. That was, this is was just in Europe. And this is when we were going through like Bosnia, you know, Montenegro, big fucking mountains, but there was no rivers there at the time. And uh, we were just camping wild. And we did like, tw- I think it was 27 days without any kind of shower. And I think at that point, I used to get these really bad, it's a pretty bit rank, but I used to get really bad boils on my ass. Oh, from from being on the push bike, yeah because basically you'd just yeah. be like sweating and not not drying or washing or drying like any ingrown hairs oh, too. It, was, it was it was fucking wrong and uh yeah I had, to, I had to i had to walk into a couple of uh not pharmacies that'd be a bit weird um like little medical sort of centers around the world to just basically drop my pants and say help <laughs> because you know they used to get so bad these boils that i couldn't i literally couldn't sit on my saddle it was like someone had put a drawing pin on the saddle. That was how sensitive it was when I sort of sat down. So these get really infected and pretty horrible. Really? To be honest,
1: that makes so much sense. Like you're, you know, like that's something you also wouldn't have prepared for. Like if you're riding a push bike, like you're using different parts of your body, you're rubbing different parts. It's like if I surf, like, you know, you get your callus on your mm. stomach or it rubs your stomach and you rash up. Mm. You know, if I was just to be like, oh, I'm just going to paddle a surfboard from here to New Zealand without getting swept away (laughs) you know you know what i mean like it's just be like you'd be like three hours in you'd be like oh yeah okay i've got a huge rash now yeah i'm not going to make the next month (laughs) you know so okay so what was the so what was the trip so you start in france and you just start riding so to go what like where are you trying to head
0: yeah i guess the very loose route that we had mate was um we were going to get on the dam the river danube um which was going to take us pretty much from uh, the source of the Danube is in sort of South Germany. So we were going to sort of head to South Germany um, towards this sort of Black Black Forest area, find the source of the River Danube and follow it pretty much all the way to... I think it, it goes all the way out of Romania. We were going to sort of follow it most of that way. And that was pretty much going to sort of just guide us towards Turkey. And then the, the loose plan was to get onto the, S- the Silk Road. I soon found out that the Silk Road is not just one road. It's a network of roads through the Middle East and Central Asia. But followed the followed the Silk Roads, if you like, um through the Middle East and then across China and then head south to Australia. That was that was roughly the journey. You know, we weren't gonna go south into Africa, we weren't gonna go north into Russia and Siberia, we were gonna kinda go Europe, Middle East, Silk Road, through Asia, and then down to yeah, to Oz. That was kind of the loose the loose plan. So yeah, that first that first that first part through Europe was kind of a good introduction to bicycle touring. You know, the sun was out, there's lovely forests that we could camping you know it was a good way for us to get to know each other and just generally get into the vibe of of what was to come which was to be a much tougher experience once you get out into yeah the middle east and central asia in in winter
1: yeah okay okay so take us into that so like for europe was it just like kind of smooth sailing just like a nice bike ride just meeting cool people just camping yeah kind of thing like just pretty
0: much pretty much yeah it was getting into the groove yeah
1: so yeah so so like nothing that really took you out of your comfort zone no
0: and that's right and so the river danube naturally if you're if you're cycling next to a river you're going to be on relatively flat ground and so we got as far as i can't remember where it was i think it might might have been budapest yeah it was budapest and so my memories it's like we're going back to 10 years now so yeah, sorry amazing. For the sort of that. but yeah we got to the budapest and then it was like this is kind of a bit not lame but like we need to start up in it a bit so that's why we sort of we scrapped the danube trip and we just decided to sort of head head south you know and look more into places like serbia you know montenegro kosovo you know croatia albania greece you know because we were starting to get a bit of an appetite for the, this sort of hunger for kind of new experiences and and, and to probably get yeah, a little wider. bit further away from what we were more comfortable with yeah
1: we Along the way, especially this Europe leg, are yeah. you just like stopping at grocery stores and just cooking stuff?
0: Yeah, we'd basically try and we didn't really eat any meat. We'd the thing that we would eat most would be bread, yeah. lots of fucking bread. And we'd get if we could get our hands on some veggies with our five euros a day, that'd be sweet. So we just try and find like yeah, tomatoes, um, yeah, cucumbers, zucchinis, um and we'd basically just cook that with pasta. So we ate bread in the in the daytime. We'd have three or four times during the day where you know you're just constantly wanting to eat you know you're constantly you're exercising in effect for like 10 hours a day yeah and bearing in mind like how many k's would you be doing a day average i think we probably started about 70 k's and then yeah towards the end of the trip we were probably doing 200 200 k's or something like 150 200 k's and would be probably an average in a a day but we didn't do any training right so we weren't fit um we weren't cycling fit so 70 k's to start with with all the, the stuff on the on the bike you know which is like a little road tank by the time you've got all your gear on made it pretty cumbersome so yeah 70ks a day and then we sort of work up from there you just get gradually fitter and stronger and you start to surprise yourself with well like we actually went over that mountain pass and we barely broke a sweat like we're getting good at this you know
1: with your five bucks a day yeah when i was in in south america we backpack and we had like a similar thing like a budget for a week Mm. right it was like a weekly I think, I think I did it by week. I had so much, like so many hundred dollars a week. I think I had like 150 bucks a week to spend on like 200 bucks, right? And I think that was even with me and my ex-girlfriend, like a hundred bucks each. Mm-hmm. And every day what I'd spend, I'd write it down. So like, like what I spent my money on. Yeah. so it was like um you know like accommodation like you know, it would be this you know hostel or whatever or this or this or whatever and then whenever we save money you know like you bank it up mm, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. so you're like <laughs> well, you're doing that or you only spend three three euro for one day you're like oh sick i got two euro that's going in friday night's fund <laughs> you know what i mean you bank it up and then you're like
0: oh i've got like 12 euro to spend a day on i'm <laughs> Yeah, it's funny, yeah, because I guess we didn't really have the time limit, so our our logic was if we're not spending so much today, this trip can kind of go on for longer, in a way. Yeah, and and that was probably more more our logic. You know, we were both naturally having to be quite quite thrifty, and yeah, we just kind of made, we just kind of made it work. And you know, what we began to find as we had as we sort of got towards the Middle East and and more into sort of certainly some of, um, the more Islamic countries is that it was where, this is where and it's probably one of the biggest highlights of the trip. Man was just the hospitality that we experienced. And that we began to experience, particularly as we got into towards sort of Albania and uh, into Greece and and um, yeah and, and and Turkey, was just the ability for people just to take us under their wing and um, and look after us. Whether that was inviting us over for a cup of tea, it might have been inviting us over for lunch. It might have been you know, getting us to stay with them for a, you know for a couple of days and and offering us a you know hot shower and a, and a warm bed that was that started to happen a lot more once we got sort of towards the middle east and that then continued all the way through into into asia to the point where i think in uzbekistan i think we were there for about 30 days on a, on a visa and i think 28 days of that was spent in different people's houses so it was like literally every single night you'd be riding through these 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 towns and these villages and sort of middle of nowhere and uh, and in those parts of the world you know people don't really do that much is what you realize. Yeah. You know, people sit sit around and chat a lot of bollocks in those countries, yeah, and have a really good time, yeah. just hanging out. And we found that, and particularly the men, women were doing all the bloody work. You know, they were like keep, keeping everything together in the house, looking after the kids, and, and it seemed like the guys just kind of sit around, and not really do a great deal. <laughs> and uh, and of course, you know, it's a you know, all of a sudden you've got these two strange looking dudes from a Western country cycling through this town where not a lot happens. You know, you're um, you're you're someone who's going to get some a sort lot of, of attention, attention. Yeah. yeah and so and they're they're very you know forward in some of those countries so they'll just be hey come here come here not, not in english in whatever language they spoke and and all of a sudden they pulled a pew and they've like someone comes out with a you know with a cup of tea or if you're in the middle if you're in the central asia it's a, it's a vodka and something to eat and all of a sudden you're 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 in and um you know you might be there for the rest of the afternoon and and then they've got a bed ready for you inside or you know they'll sort of send you on your way or whatever but that was happening sort of more and more regularly as we sort of the further east that we got. So just,
1: just by doing the bike trip, by traveling different, you're putting yourself literally in such different scenarios to be able to really connect with different people and cultures, which is what traveling is. Mm, yeah, you know, exactly. what, I mean? what a freaking brilliant idea. <laughs> no, it's just brilliant. But going into, you know, it's something that like news has sold us o- over time about like the Middle East, about like, being you know like it's some it's a place for us westerners to fear mm-hmm. you know and i've had a, fr- a few friends like travel through there and you're like what and they're like oh no it's fine like w- w- weren't you scared were you scared like you know being on a bike being so vulnerable riding in especially places where you're mm-hmm. in a camp or stay with random people like weren't you scared going into those areas
0: yeah i think there were definitely some moments man where i was scared for sure i think we took a lot of comfort you know when you're with someone else right you're traveling with someone else you can sort of share fear a little bit which which kind of helps because i think often if you're by yourself fear can kind of take hold and it can kind of spiral out of control right yeah and sometimes you need someone there to be like dude it's all good and that helps a lot you know because sometimes we're just knowing that you're in it with someone yeah exactly right yeah and you can you know make decisions together you can kind of laugh a lot of the a lot of the times, you need to laugh at situations for them to kind of just quell a little bit, and just try not to take things too se- too seriously. But yeah, to, to answer your question with the Middle East, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, everything that we've been told is to sort of fear that part of the world to some extent. And even though I'd read these books and I, you know, about people that had travelled through there, who would who would definitely showed that you know that stereotype is not true. You need to see it to believe it, right? So, so as we were sort of entering um syria that was the first sort of um outside of turkey we we sort of headed south into into syria and this is before all the shit really hit the fan over there um obviously you know i I think we were probably one of the last horde of of tourists that you know that entered that country before they kind of shut it off from the rest of the world uh which was magical but yeah certainly heading into these places and yeah naturally kind of skeptical as to what was going to happen but uh i mean it just right from the get-go man it was it was totally overturned in our in our heads you know that stereotype you know that the warmest people in the world the warmest experiences that we had with people was in was in the middle east and i think they taught me so much about how to be as open-minded as possible with strangers you know they really showed me that and i you know i'm still in touch with some of them today you know which is just amazing did
1: you Did you like have any conversations with anyone there about like um, you fearing that area or like thinking that like you should fear that area or like even like talking to them about how like like mainstream media in the Western world has like made us
0: think about the people from that area? Mm, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we did find it quite hard to have conversations like that in that part of the world because a lot of them just don't speak any any English at all. And in fact, we'd have evenings with people that you know it'd be barely. You know belly laughs, you know, having a great time, but we're not sharing a word of the same freaking language, yeah at it, all, you know it's like
1: you're just little babies like, mm, to-
0: oh totally yeah, We'd
1: do you like this, and then you have something you're like, mm, ah, spicy, exactly like,
0: right, and we'll just notice you know something crawling on the floor or just something will happen, and we'll both both sort of share in the humor of observational stuff and and yeah. body language, you know doing a lot of the talking, and that was really special, but yeah, definitely like I think once you get into Iran, which actually has really educated population, you know we we were able to then have more of those sort of deeper conversations around you know, our fears going into it and how they've been overturned. And I think they kind of, I think they, I don't know, I think they were kind of found that a bit a bit confusing because their belief system is very much, this is the wonderful thing about um, Islam is the very foundation of it is based on helping those that are less, less fortunate than themselves. No matter what the situation is, if someone approaches you that is in need of some form of help, like they feel intrinsically the need to support that person because we kind of felt like we're going to be cycling through as you know even though our bikes look kind of shoddy and we had horrible beards and and we stank we kind of felt like you know do they see us as just these like kind of wealthy westerners that have this privilege to be able to have a passport and money to to buy stuff and travel and all that sort of stuff like i was kind of conscious of that going into it but it just never felt like that was what they were thinking as far as as far as they were concerned we were vulnerable travelers passing through their town that needed kind of help and um yeah, as I said, it happened time and time again. In that, like, so in that area, did you have any, hmm.
1: like, anything that like fits that stereotype? Was there any dodgy stuff, or yeah, it yeah. was that easy?
0: No, man, it's um, I'm I'm definitely painting a a pretty, you know, rosy picture right now, and it was you know 99.9 percent of the time. Hmm. Well, it's um,
1: just like yeah, Mexico, like, but people say like Mexico. I've like done four trips there, and it's like. Oh, man, I saw these clowns have a shootout one day. Literally clowns because a circus came to town from the north to the south and from traveling from south to north and another circus came to town and they had a turf war. We heard these gunshots and we ran up on the roof and out on the main road was literally a little buggy, like a little beetle, like the little mini cars and a clown and they're having a shootout. They're shooting at each other. You know what I mean? But it's just like I've always felt pretty – like extremely safe, but there's also in, in Mexico, but there's been times where of <laughs> like, you know, shit's a bit real.
0: Man, that sounds like a horrifying movie script. Yeah. How's this? How's this? We're in um
1: we're in Acapulco and we'd come we'd come just to the south of the city, about twenty minutes south. We're driving from we're driving up the coast of, of Mex and we went down to like this beach to check the surf or whatever and we're looking for a place to stay. And we met this dude and he's like, oh, I've got an apartment. It's like free. You can just, you know, have it for a couple of nights or whatever and gave us a really good deal. So we went off to this apartment, you know, it looked like a little, little bit of a dodgy area. Yeah. So we had to be like a little bit, you know, on our toes and, and everything. But um, we're like, oh, we wanted to go up into Acapulco, like up into the city and watch the cliff diving. So anyway, we're like, yeah, we'll go up, we'll go watch some cliff dive. Maybe we'll go into the city, like go to a club or something. Anyway, there was, I think, four or five of us. We'll jump in the car and we drive down the end of the street and there's a corner store there. And we're like, oh, I'll pull up and get some beers. And so we pull up, got out, bought some beers. And there was a guy standing there on the corner, this big dude. Anyway, I started chatting with him. I got a beer and I was just having a chat with him. I said, oh, dude, do you want a beer? He's like, yeah, yeah, love one. So um, I bought him a beer. And while the others were getting their beers and everything, I sat on the curb with him and I had a beer with this guy. And just to chat, you know, like um, he spoke a little bit of English. I spoke a little bit of Spanish. And we just had this chat it was like and, and shared a beer together. Anyway, I was like, oh, dude, you know, we've got to go. So we jump in the car and we go um, off to the cliff diving and everything. Then we go go to town. We go out to dinner and everything. We've had a bit of a night. We're coming back at probably maybe 1 a.m. or something. Mm. And we're, we're driving back and we take the turn off the road to down the side road, pretty much to, to take the turn, like to back to this corner to take the turn down our street. And this gang walks out in front of the car with a whole heap of bats. And my mate is driving, like Brenny's driving, and he's just gone, and I've, we've just gone, oh shit, lock the doors, lock the doors, all like, have locked. And he's like, he stops and he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm like, fuck, you're gonna have to reverse, you're gonna have to reverse, it. Like, we're trying to, we're suddenly like, fuck, we're about to get robbed here. <laughs> because they, we were, we we're about to get jumped. And the next thing I just look, at the dude that's walking up with his bat. <laughs> it was the guy that I bought the beer for. Oh, so I've opened the window and I've gone, oh, dude, what's going on? And he's just like, oh, me amigo. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, what's going on, dude? And comes over the car and we start having this chat. And then his mates, you know, everything, like the whole situation is just diffused. The energy's just suddenly changed. We're friends, you know, where, and he's like, oh, what are you doing? I was like, oh, we're just, just getting back for the night. He's, you know, oh, how was it? Yeah, it was all cool. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah you know all right man have a good night and off we go and we're just like holy shit (laughs) that is so freaking lucky i bought that dude a beer this Uh, afternoon you know what i mean (laughs) we're about to get rolled (laughs) you know but it was was a cool dude just but you know what i mean but like yeah
0: oh it's it's that's hectic and i think yeah i think you need to have those you have those moments on these trips right where nearly in all occasions people are damn good but there's just a few there's a few fruity ones out there yeah like in in Middle East, are so people just walking around with machine guns? Um, we went through like northern Iraq, and there was pretty strong presence of uh, of that uh, over in sort of the Kurdish sort of part of Iraq, and th- and that was why, that was probably one of the first times in that region that that we kind of had a kind of a scary encounter, I suppose. There was lots of little things along the way, but this one kind of stands out as one of the first because yeah, we kind of like because basically what what we found is in border towns around the world, there tends to be it's a very transient sort of place right and so no one really calls it home and so you get a lot of interesting people that kind of loiter and and a lot of fairly unsavory individuals i'd say and so generally with border towns you want to get across and get the fuck out it's particularly in the middle east and so we we didn't make it to the border with iran until quite late in the day and uh we missed the crossing you know it was like five o'clock or whatever and it was sort of shut for whatever and so um
1: did you know straight away like from other travels like that's something to be wary of like don't stay in this town you know you know how like yeah you you know you you get those words especially from other travelers like yeah this is all safe don't walk down this street don't go to this part of town you know what i mean but when you're riding through you can't avoid that kind of stuff and sometimes like this like you just get stuck there
0: yeah exactly i think someone maybe like hinted at border towns being be very wary particularly there but i'd kind of just my naivety and positivity kind of sort of just ignored it anyway so we're like Got to, the border, uh, got to the border crossing, we missed it. But we'd also just completed this like two-week crossing of like a rack and we'd had this like amazing experience and beautiful part of the world. Um, crazy cycling, awesome people. So we were kind of like really stoked on where we got to. So we, we, uh, you can buy booze at the shop that was there. And it's, bear in mind, this is probably the last time for a few months we're going to be able to buy alcohol legally anyway, because you can't drink in Iran. Yeah, And so we went to the shop and we bought whatever we could get our hands on right so i think we had like a bottle of whiskey and i think an eight pack eight, you know, two four packs of just really strong lager and bearing in mind we would just been like sweating every ounce of liquid out of our bodies you know for the last couple of weeks and then we sort of retreated back down the mountain and we just were you know in that covert mode trying to find somewhere kind of discreet to pitch up for the night and kind of have a bit of a party because we just wanted to celebrate what we'd done and we found this kind of interesting spot it was sort of on a hill and so Often, you know, we'd end up in the middle of the night, kind of on top of each other when we camp like that. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you just, you don't want to be the one on bottom. Um, and so yeah, it's just like a van when you park on a hill. Yeah, exactly. You're drunk uh, and you end up rolling into your
1: mate. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I just wake up and you feel it even yeah. so sort of gagged by your canvas. <laughs> but yeah, so we picked up the tent and um, it was cold. It was, cold. It, was, it was like November time. So it was starting to get really cold out there. And so we got you know, warm and then just, just proceeded to just to smash through this, this alcohol and i should say that most things that went wrong on our trip generally involved some degree yeah, sure. of drinking right because <laughs> you let your guard down and just stupid shit happens yeah. but anyway so um tucked in and next thing i remember is like waking up and the tent door was flapping and i thought that's really weird um it was a super windy night the wind had sort of picked up as we were sort of celebrating and, and it became this really windy night and it was just like smashing around outside and we our tent we shared this tent because it's a big three-man tent and it kind of had like sort of I guess a vestibule type area. And so we were separated from it and we put all our stuff in the vestibule and then we slept in the sort of the other sort of compartment. And the outside thing was flapping. I thought it was fucking weird. And I woke up and I, just st- I was still hammered. It was probably middle of the night. And, uh, and I zipped open our tent and I looked into where all our stuff was and there was nothing there. <gasps> all gone. Fuck off. Nothing. And, uh, and I thought I was dreaming. I was like, um, yeah, just like hammered. I need to get back to sleep. So I literally closed it. And I went back into my sleeping bag and I was like, "Go back to sleep." And then about two minutes later, I'm like, "Oh no, I'm wide awake." And I woke Jamie up. It was just like snoring, and I said, "Dude, I think we might have been robbed." And, uh, and he goes, ah, ah, he sort of woke up. And he was steaming as well. And of course, decision making and thought processes in that state aren't that sort of yeah. <laughs> aren't that good, reliable. But yeah, man, we basically looked at it and we came to the conclusion that we've been robbed. And um, and we stepped out of our tent, and it was like. It was one of the most depressing things I've ever seen because all of our shit had basically been emptied on the side of the mountain and it's been blown all the way down this mountain. Our bikes were still there and we thought, okay, cool, we still got our bikes, but where are our passports? And also we'd had to take out- our- So
1: what, these guys just came, unzip your tent and then how many meters away did they go
0: and go a through your shit? A few meters. I mean, what I, I mean, we don't know who did it, right? But my, we have a strong feeling that it was the guys who sold us the booze at the shop yeah or someone linked to those people because they said look these two westerners have just picked up a load of booze they're gonna get very drunk tonight um do what you got to do you know i'm obviously very thankful i didn't wake up while it was happening because they would have 100 percent have been armed yeah and so it was probably a very good thing that we were like out cold but anyway they they grabbed the stuff and they just threw it across the side of the mountain just grabbed anything of value so they took our camera you know we had like um i had an ipod and my music which was kind of uh you know i no. kind of got me through and, but where was like passports and where was the money that we'd taken out to get us through iran because there's no international banking system in iran so we had to take out it was something like a thousand us dollars or 1500 us dollars or something like that it was a lot of money to get us through the next couple of you know two three months or something and uh, we stashed it away the day before um into different parts of our bags like dirty socks or in a tool bag or and stuff so we were just like let's see if they found our cash and then They didn't find any of the money and they didn't find any of our passports. They just took anything of like immediate electrical kind of value and they didn't get the bike. So to be honest, we got robbed by the the shittest robbers (laughs) in the Middle East. Um, But anyway, it became this bit of a palaver because we wanted to basically get a police note so we could get some insurance. And we ended up going to the police station the next day. And uh, we're trying to report this crime because they got away, got away with a few, couple thousand dollars worth of stuff, and uh, they wouldn't give us a police note because they didn't want to attract any attention to to that area to this, to this area. And it went on all day. They got a translator out from a nearby town to come and visit and try and kind of communicate with us. And it was pretty obvious they just weren't going to do it because they just didn't want to just didn't want to have any hassle. But we ended up spending the night in the prison in the in the prison cells there. And this is the weird thing of the, of the story because. Even though we'd kind of had this like crappy moment, these guys were taking quite a lot of pleasure out of the fact that we were struggling. And so they put us in this prison cell for the night. They locked the doors. There was no, this prison cell was literally a wire mesh bed, two Wait, wire mesh bunk beds. What? Yeah. Wait, did you trust them? Well, like- Initially what, we did because we thought, okay, well, you're kind of-
1: Like, I, law I, enforcement. I'm so scared. Like if, if okay- indonesia or even mexico like if the coppers are like oh yeah like say similar scenario they'll be like oh hey you can stay in the cell for the night here we'll lock you up but you're like no fucking way Mm. because now i'm locked and how much money are they going to want for me to get you know
0: Mm. man it's a good point i know you're you're a you're a smarter man than than me and and (laughs) i think we were kind of relatively vulnerable and naive at this at this point and we just assumed that they were going to look after us right and it started kind of innocently but it just got really weird and they ended up yeah kind of forcing us into this kind of forcing us into, into this cell they locked the door and they just left us in there for i don't know like eight hours or something like that sort of throughout, throughout the night they'd come in they were, they were weird dude. Did you have your stuff with you in the cell yeah we had the stuff in the in, in the cell and they yeah they were just taking this real perverse pleasure out of like kind of our suffering it was kind of weird yeah uh, and it was it was it was a low moment in the. Not so much getting the stuff nicked, but it was the first time I was, <laughs> we were reminded to, to keep our wits about us and yeah. not everyone's out there to, to look I, after you, you know?
1: I, I hate that uh, with, with traveling or just getting robbed too, just seeing like the darkness in the world or the mm. darkness in people, especially when you're having such magical experiences and such hospitality. Yeah. And then there's moments like that where it, it happened to us in Mexico, like I, I, I met a guy uh, Brenty that I drove the west coast with and, and that was like a similar thing he heard I wanted to go down to Pasquales. I was going to get the bus so he came and met me because he wanted to go down and we started this idea of getting the bus together camping and then oh maybe we could get a bike or oh, no let's get a freaking car together Yeah. and then there was another girl uh, with us from Newcastle one of, one of his friends that went to get the car with us and she was mm-hmm. going to hang out with us for a few days until we left and we went, um, went to Puerto Vallado and picked up this car Drove back, checked the surf of Burrows on the way um, back to, say, Alita. And we just pulled up. Backpacks are in the back. I put mine in the boot. Like, I I should have said to them, but I just thought, like, I'll just put mine in the boot. And go down, check the surf, came back. We weren't even gone three minutes. Came mm. back, window smashed. Oh, shit. Our stuff's gone. Um, straight away, I just started running through the bush. And like, where are you going? I was like, quick, run through the bush. Because a lot of the time, like, I know when you get robbed, they'll go and just stash your stuff somewhere just dump it and go mm-hmm. through to get the valuable shit yeah so we we went found our stuff in the bush or found their stuff in the bush you know everything pulled out all that stuff passport's still there card's still there you know money gone laptop gone um camera gone you know what i mean and i've gone running couldn't find them or whatever same thing go get go get the police report all that shit but the thing was like oh jill yeah jill and brent it was so hard to get them to just come back to the positives for a bit, especially Jill. Mm. Like she got stuck in like, and fear. And I, I, I've been in that because like when I got kidnapped in India, after that, I, co- I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy India. Mm. Cause I was just in such a state of fear, but she couldn't enjoy a trip now. And it was like in this way of this victim of just like, no, this has happened to me. Like it's all over. And I'm like, well, no, it hasn't. The insurance is coming back from the laptop. It's all cool. I was even telling her to add shit. You know what I mean? Like on the police report. Oh, this got stolen as well. You know, like just like, come on, man. Like yeah. just make it to your benefit. Like yeah. uh, I'm not. I'm not saying people should do that, but I was. You know, I was trying to find a positive. Yeah. Trying to be like, oh, you know, and um, and she didn't really come around. Hey, eh? mm. like it was just like, but I could see it. It's it's like. Because you suddenly see the darkness in the world. Mm. You're on this. You, you're so vulnerable being a traveller. Yeah. And That's why travellers get robbed because they mm. are so vulnerable. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and you're there, open to the expression, and, and you're yeah. relying on hospitality. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. then you have like that robbed in it because. And I it takes a uh, for me it takes a darker person to rob that because yeah. you're so vulnerable. Yeah, you know totally. what I mean? No, totally. So it, it kind it can really take away from your trip yeah. and really. Yeah. it
0: does it makes you skeptical with with people that you meet you know following that that moment because traveling you have to let things go and you have to throw caution to the wind with people you know you're meeting lots of strange people all the time and you have to have belief that yeah. people are generally good and as i said yeah and tr- and are. even
1: with the ones that you know might not be or can't trust yeah. you're still being their best friend and everything because you're like you don't want this to go south but you're
0: like you know, oh, I don't dude. trust this dude. dude. The other one that comes to mind was actually in Syria as well. And um, this is kind of, <laughs> I've never shared this before. It's kind of weird, but it was the first night in Syria. So, you know, we kind of like entered and, and um, we were trying to find something to eat. It was a late border crossing as well. Once again, just past the border town. We knew, you know, it was probably going to be a bit weird. And this guy, we were knocking on this like restaurant to see if they could open, just give us some food, you know, and then we could go and camp because we were starving. And this weird guy, came out not weird he seemed all right he was actually like in this immaculate kind of dish dash, you know kind of yeah. outfit they always look really well they're really well kept their beards are always like, kind of perfect and immaculate perfectly white and you know, yeah and he came out and um and he didn't speak any english but i could tell he was like you know, he was the restaurant owner and he said come on in you know i'll sort you out with some food and so we went in there and uh and and then he sort of guided us through to the sitting room and he had this weird mate who was just like <laughs> Sat, sat in this chair and he wasn't really saying anything he was just like manically changing the the tv it was this like weird sort of tv and he was just sort of changing it ever and over again it was like okay, it's a bit weird and we sat down and we were still like you know starving and we we're just trying to sort of be nice but you know yeah, like we've we'll, we'll to eat. yeah <laughs> we'll buy something and then we'll go and and he and he was just he was just trying to chat with us and trying to be friendly but also just a bit weird anyway the night went on and um, he gave us, he brought some food out. It was a bit weird. And then he was sort of insinuating that we could stay in the room. And it was just like, it was like, you know, a couple of times bigger than this room. It was like a marble floor. It was kind of nice, but kind of not much furniture in there. And he just sort of said over in that corner, you guys can sleep, you know? Okay, sweet. Cause we're knackered now. it has been a massive day. But then he just said, he basically insinuated that he wanted to watch some porn, right? <laughs> oh God. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so we are like, okay because partly when you're in you know other people's houses you kind of just have to go with the flow right and so we're t- <laughs> and so we're like he spins around in his chair and he's got this fucking 1995 com- you know computer which just he p- put some weird cd on it and it's just this really weird like porn basically right so it's just um you know some some middle eastern lady just sort of dancing on the screen i was like i don't know what kind of porn you see mate but it's pretty different to like to sort of so yeah, where I'm from. But you've also got a humor and be like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Cool, and we're, and yeah. we're just sort of going with it. But it was then that we, and he was like, oh, and he was like, oh, you want the hardcore, you want, you know, you were sort of saying you want the hardcore stuff. And then he put on this, like re- the other end of the spectrum. It was like, what are we watching here? This is like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. And meanwhile, I could see that he's starting to pleasure himself under his, you know. His dish, garment. Under his garment. <laughs> and so Jamie and I are, like sat next to each other, like leaning over the back of a sofa with this dude. I'm nearest this dude. And he's just going for it. And I'm like. So, 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 wait, wait, wait. So there's, there's this, still this other random dude sitting in the room. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's over there. He's sat there fucking manically, you know, changing the TV channel and doing whatever he's doing. And now this other and guy. And this dude watching, you know, this ridiculous porn. hardcore porn on this computer next to me. Jamie and I are sat there, torn between this idea of this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced and not wanting to be impolite, right? right? And then. Uh, and then, and then he just turns to me and he goes, one mister. And I was like, well, he's like, one mister. And what he was basically saying was I want one of you right now. Really? Yeah. So
1: what did you do? Because <laughs> I, yeah, like, yeah. I remember my mate was in the army over there and he, I don't know if this is true or not, but he said um, a lot might have been India. What country? I don't know, but I know that they a lot of their first sexual experiences are with men.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a it's a massive thing over there. It's a massive, um, you know, on the one hand, they're, they're family, they're family men, and they you know they they have their children and they expand their families and and all the rest of it. But it's um, I forget what the saying is, but but yeah, they have a lot of their like men are for pleasure, exactly, men are for reproducing. That's it's, it. It's, it's something like that. Told yeah. Me. Yeah. yeah, boys are for fun kind of thing, and and he was very much in that camp, and so he was then getting aggressively demanding for one of us. And it was like, where did this even come from? And so he's trying to, gra- he's trying to grab me, to grab-, grab my crotch. And he was trying to grab Jamie's crotch. And it was just like, it just went into this weird experience. So what did you do? So we pushed this guy, we pushed this guy off and we said, we need to get out of this house right now. And what he'd done. We'd just been like, oh no, no, sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like, no, 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 no. And we ended up and he, and he said, um, and we said we wanted to go, but it was like the middle of the night it was in the middle of nowhere in Syria. We had no, like, so we weren't really sure what to do. And we went to go and leave the door. He'd put this iron gate right across the doors so that we couldn't even get out of the house. <gasps> and he was refusing to let it out. And we just, we just basically said, we're not into this, right? We're going to go to sleep. And I want you to let us go like first thing in the, in the morning, basically. And so we, we, we got into our sleeping bags and, and, and just, I remember like we both pulled it over our heads and I it was just him on top, like shaking our shoulders, just saying one mister one mister over and over again you're kidding no until eventually got he eventually gave right. and, and oh mate it was literally could have gone that way and so then he ended up going going up up into his room or whatever and then day broke and we were just like shouting out let us out of this house and he came down and not really not even that sheepishly he just opened up the gate and sort of off your trot. oh my god and that was our first night in syria like whoa welcome to the Middle East.
1: I just, oh my God, Mitch that I was just with this morning. I just remembered him and I, when we were living in Indonesia, or we on the yacht, uh, on, the, um, on the ferry from, we used to always, to get from Bali over to Zimbabwe, we used to ride across our motorbikes overnight. So you ride across Bali, get the ferry to Lombok, mm. ride, ride across Lombok overnight, then get the ferry to Zimbabwe, then ride across Zimbabwe to, yeah, okay. to West Zimbabwe where we used to live. But the, it was a five-hour ferry from Bali to Lombok and so we just sleep on the ferry and i remember being asleep one night mitch is next to me and i think jai that i own the yacht with he was behind me maybe jordan did. but anyway i just remember that like i'm asleep and i have like an eye mask on and some i just suddenly get shaken like awake and i like lift up the um the eye mask and there's this like dude like boy boyish like in a young 20s like mr mr and i'm like hello and he's like just he's like where are you from and just like wants to be my best mate at 2 a.m in the morning just wants to wake me up and suddenly talk to me i'm like oh and then i just remember going like this is my friend mitch trying to palm him off and mitch is just fuck off kind of rolls over and i'm sitting there and then this guy like start like trying to like yeah he's trying to get like friendly with me Mm. And I'm like, no, no, no. Mm. I ended up saying to him, like, oh, I'm sleeping, like, sorry, or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, I go to sleep and I'm so tired. I go to sleep. I remember wh- whispering to Mitch, like, oh, that, that was weird.
0: Mm.
1: Anyway, about half an hour later, I feel something, like, come, like, lay next to me. <laughs> and I, and um, I open up my, my, like, eye thing, like, look look over. And these dudes come over and, like, laid next to me. <laughs> and, like, we're just, like, on, the, on a ship floor, like, a random floor. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell, like... I'm like, oh, God. And I'm like, wait, make up again. I'm like, dude, dude, you got to help me. He's like, and he just goes, I'm not dealing with it. <laughs> he goes <back> to sleep. <laughs> so I'm sitting there. And I remember I'm that tired. And I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm going to sleep. Put my eye patch over and just fell back to sleep. Anyway, <laughs> next thing, we're coming into port. The horn goes off. <laughs> the horn goes off to wake us all up. And I start waking up. The next thing, I wake it up to the, and I start feeling like this, like someone's got their arm over me and their leg over me. And I'm like, oh, God, here we go. And I look over and this guy is now like spooning me. He's got his leg over me and his arm over me. And I look over and Mitch is now woke up. He's looked at me. He's smirking. He's laughing as he like sucked into it. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, now I'm getting up and I've woken up like this guy's like, oh, waking up. Like, oh, And I'm like, and I'm telling him like, dude, I'm not into yeah, it, you yeah. know and I've stood up this guy stood up and he's got a full rager he's like he's hard he's like you know and I'm like and I turn to the boys look at me and they're losing it you know what I mean they're losing it there's some guy random guys come and snuggled up to me in the middle of the night so and got all excited and I'm just like <laughs> I've got to get off this boat get out of here ASAP oh my god the boys gave me so much shit for it it was uh, so funny that's so good Oh yeah with travelling it's just freaking tra- you have weird experiences just weird
0: experiences and yeah you're right like you know random random encounters with people but you know like you know that you know that happened and then you know a couple of weeks later you're getting invited into people's homes for for two weeks and they're they're sort of a you little know, literally in Tehran like I think we were, when we were there some guy on the street um this couch surfer fell through and we're sort of in the middle of Tehran thinking what we're going to do and some guy on the street ended up just befriending us and taking us up to um his, his apartment with his um with his flatmate his uh, it was actually his niece and uh, we sat there for two weeks man Two weeks in this guy's apartment, where he just basically just like pretty much threw us the keys. They were going out working during the day. They're like, "You guys have had a big trip. You're having a big trip. Just make yourself at home." They'd come back. They took us paragliding um, into in the, in the Atlas Mountains. There, they were like, "Yeah, it turns out they were part of this, you know, this this paragliding scene, which is kind of quite a yeah, an quite underground really, yeah. kind of community in Tehran." And they took us to these like you know underground. We were there for Christmas actually, and and uh, you know we can't drink, but they took us to these like underground house parties where rock music's illegal in in Iran right um really yeah yeah so you can't there's no you know bars and clubs or anything like that at all either so any any time you want to get you know yeah social you kind of have to sort of do it at, at home and do it really discreetly because they just have like these like secret police people kind of everywhere and especially when foreign, for, foreigners are in town they kind of keep a pretty close eye on you and so we were going to these like, underground little rock dens and in, in Tehran and all thanks to these guys. They just uh, this 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 guy and this this girl, um, What's Vahid it? and Hamida, and and amazingly they um they moved to Sydney about five years later. He's an elect uh, what was he an electric, he, was, he did something with electronics, and she's other some other super um, amazing chick, super smart. Um they both ended up in Sydney. And I sort them out with a flat in, uh, in Bondi and we've got to hang out like five yeah. years later.
1: It's crazy. Is it, is it amazing? I was just thinking like how you said before, 99.9% of the time, it's like mm. fine, but you still mm. got to have your wits about you because you are vulnerable, right? Mm. And yeah. these things are going to happen. Like that's what I, I said to my friend in, Me- like, in Mexico. I was like, we are going to get robbed. Mm. You know what I mean? Doing what we're doing. It's just like, there's a high chance So if it happens, it's not the end of the world. Mm. You lost your... Like you lost something it's getting replaced it's like it's okay you know mm. you know what i mean but it's like that is the experience yeah. you go into that experience knowing it's not all going to be peaches mm. and cream but that is like the adventure around it mm. but it's like for you at this point right okay okay the henry that lit le- that left you, you know and now now you're at this point like are you noticing like self-growth like a, a change in 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 you like are you by mm. this experience, are you no- noticing that you're becoming a different person or mm. are you a different person at this point? You know, like what, what's mm. this like progression of like, y- you know, the, the evolution of you by doing mm. this trip? Like-
0: yeah, good question. I, th- I think that absolutely the change was quite immediate for me, to be honest with you. Like in terms of right from the moment that the decision was made to do the trip, I was starting to, to change. Is it because you let go? Yeah, I think let go and and it it felt like I'd finally found something that got me really, really excited, you know. And so that alone just changed, you know, my mood entirely and kind of like the way I was getting excited about what was to to come. I wasn't like I wasn't depressed before or anything like that at all, but I'd say a little bit lost. Whereas I found once I started doing this journey, even in the planning stage, I was just fired up about something. And that was that was that was a big change for me. Like I never found anything like that. And then, man, within about a week or two of starting the trip, I Jamie and I were like, "We're going to do this. We're just going to do this forever. We're going to be vagabonds forever because this is this is the life. It's so simple. Well, you've got
1: no responsibility. Yeah, like it's just (laughs) like you just this this is what I love. I call it for me. Yeah, just letting go, and Mm. and it's like. I've literally just hit hit the point in my life like where I've just become out of balance the other way mm. where I've just been go 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 getting things getting things done and now I'm like whoa I need mm. to just let go again mm. because once I do that once I just let go I'm just me and it's my expression just to be me and I have so much fun because yeah. I'm open to all experiences yeah. and then when I come back to life I'm so grounded, mm. and I just be me, and I'm just at that point right now, and it's like oh, I need to let go again because mm. I've just noticed, like especially at the last month, I haven't been in the now as much. So I'm just like, what happened? Like six months ago, I was like in the best space ever. Mm. Not that I'm not in a good space, but I mean, like you know what I mean. It's just yeah. like a thing. I like I'm in go-go mode, and it's just
0: like that. My traveling, like that, that to me is life yeah. because you're so in the now. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Complete, it's freedom, completely, and that's it. it was. I think freedom is a is re- really to sort of summarize that feeling that, that yeah. was at the root of, of this new Henry, basically. I was, I was
1: thinking before, like I, I you know I just did this knee operation, right? And, um, you know, they just had a, a three-day lockdown in Queensland and I was in bed for it anyway, so it didn't matter. Mm. And then my first outing, uh, I hadn't watched the news, I didn't watch the news or anything. And I was like, oh, okay, lockdown's over, cool, whatever. Mm. And I needed, um, I went to the gym and then Aldi's across the road from the gym and the Gold Coast that I went to. So going go into Aldi and a mate walks in and he comes up and he's wearing a mask or whatever and he starts chatting to me I'm just having a bit of a chat and i like, oh what's going on dude and I'm looking at him I'm looking around and everyone's got face masks on and not just that they have face masks on they're all death staring mm. at me and I'm like oh fuck and I go to my mate i like, am like, I supposed to be wearing a face mask right now and he's like mm. oh yeah and I said, like why didn't you say something and he's like oh I thought you're like an anti-masker or whatever and I'm like well I'm not anything I don't mm. ki- like I just yeah. play by the rules yeah. but whatever like just <laughs> so i walk out i'm not sure about that no i don't play by the rules but you know what i mean like i'm not gonna like i'm happily do it if i'm just gonna do it for that yeah yeah. you know i'm walking in and get something that whatever you know just fuck and so i go up to the dude and i'm checking out i go sorry man i i didn't realize Mm. like you know and he's like no it's all cool like whatever i just said i forgot it i'm like sorry Mm. dude and and he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I was looking around at everyone, how that, we're like that judgment eyes mm. or whatever and just that disconnect mm. and the social distancing and everything. And I was mm. like thinking about it with that, about how like we kind of have this fear of each other right mm. now mm. In, in a way when when that stuff comes in. Like I'm not experiencing because I'm not doing it, but I'm just, and I was just thinking and I was like thinking about like, y- you know, like, being in those scenarios of a traveler Mm. you you know like right now we're living in this life that that i'm just going to say that's the height and level of it it doesn't always happen Mm. when when these lockdowns come in and all these restrictions come in it said like fear thy neighbor kind of thing like stay away from the neighbor right Mm. and i was like thinking about it like okay like this trip that you did you know is doing the complete opposite of the Mm. spectrum it's putting yourself in a situation where it's like You don't. You can't fear that person. It's like you're in a way you're relying on that person. It's like when in this, like right now, if someone come up to me in that in that LD or whatever and was like, "Hey, do you need a place to stay?" and I come crash at mine, I'd be like, "Yeah, no, dude, Mm -hmm. I'm sweet." Or if I said that to someone, you know what I mean? they will be like, "Oh, You, you know." But like when you're in that situation, like think about it. Everyone that you met on that trip, you wouldn't have met if you weren't in the space where like. That's what you're doing you you get what I mean? I'm
0: big time and it's you know vulnerability is the big one it's um it's putting yourself out there isn't it and saying that this is me and um I'm I am what I am and 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 you know and just going for it because I th- I think that things can go very wrong particularly on a bike man like you're very vulnerable on a bike you know you know if you think about it there's nothing that's really there's nothing in the way between you and the, and the outside world, which is what makes it such an amazing way to travel. Right. There's nothing that there's no windows um, to separate you from your surroundings. You know, at all times you're riding down these insane trails and, um, and seeing the world in a way, which is like, you're just a panoramic, you know, we always call it a panoramic like sofa. I felt like we were sat on because by yeah. this time it become really quite comfortable to ride. And it was just, you know, you're, you're, you're there with your surroundings all the time, but that makes you incredibly vulnerable. So for example, you know, if you're traveling in places like you know Iran and Uzbekistan and, and, and dod- some dodgy areas that you read about, you know, you're passing from town to town, and, and you can, your mind can get a bit carried away. Like, you know, let's say you go through a town that's got a few dodgy people in, and and you're just passing through for the next you know fifty, a hundred k's on a road, just on a bike. And these empty roads, like, what's to say that they they could do whatever the fuck they want to? Yeah, they'd you know jump I mean? in a car and go out and just... Uh, yeah, and you hear this shit all the time. I mean, there are some horrible stories that have come out from, from parts of the world where this has happened. You know, people not just getting kidnapped but run over and, and just getting robbed and, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that don't really value human life as much as the rest of us and, and, and they do exist and, and as I said, I, we did have some some pretty scary encounters with a few like some of which we've talked about but you know you do when you remind yourself of the vulnerability it's um you can you can let your mind kind of (laughs) you know kind of wander a little bit i think yeah get get, get a bit freaked out yeah Uh,
1: well just accepting that yeah just accepting that and so like all right yeah this shit could happen but like uh, uh, with how many travels that i know and how many things have happened like you know it's it's normally worth it or like it's normally about you know yeah but i was just thinking like when you're saying that like you're riding through these incredible places right Mm. was there any pinnacle sublime moments that you had like Mm. like where you're riding through somewhere that was just like this is why you're doing it Mm.
0: yeah there is man there is and i think i always get drawn to you know recollecting memories from kyrgyzstan when people ask me that question because you know every country had its merit and, and and they were very beautiful and special for different reasons but Kyrgyzstan was the big turning point in the trip for me. And I think coming back to really a question, Aaron, around like, you know, that personal change and, and development, which was happening from the get go, as I found, you know, purpose and, and, and I found, yeah, true happiness actually in, in kind of living for, you know, not just the moment, but just feeling a passion that was driving me just made me feel incredibly satisfied with, with life. And it was so simple and realizing the value of, of money and all that sort of stuff was, um, it made me incredibly present and, and happy but this moment through kyrgyzstan this this part of the trip through kyrgyzstan was definitely a, a defining moment for lots of different reasons you know what we found as we were approaching kyrgyzstan and if people don't know like it's i don't know if you know man but it's um it's sort of this crazy country that's tucked away just next to to china on the on the western border with china and uh when the ussr broke up they they kind of did a really terrible job of breaking up the borders there and still to this day, there's, there's massive wars that, that still happen between Kyrgyzstan, uh, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan. And they just put these weird borders in almost to kind of encourage war in a way so that they'd need to seek support from some sort of higher power. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so it's been a bit of a nightmare of a, of a place, but it's essentially just these this hectic mountain range, basically, particularly the Tajikistan and, and, and Kyrgyzstan sort of side anyway so we were getting into a run and realizing that we totally mistimed our fucking entry into this part of the world right because it was around november december time as we were approaching so midwinter and um oh, so and is this freezing dude it was minus 35 when we cycled through. often credits.
1: you're riding a bike
0: yeah 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 we got it all wrong Sort of okay, is,
1: okay i get what you mean by like i was thinking like oh yeah like you, you but not minus 35
0: dude it was minus 35 was the lowest that it got but like day like standard temperatures around that time was about minus five minus 10 as you're riding during the day but during the night you're riding on plummets. an ice road on a yeah. mountain yeah man we were having to drink uh, so much water during the day just so we could urinate onto the gears and the um and the brakes because they would just freeze up as you're as you're riding. shut up yeah but
1: do, do you ever slip on the ice yeah, all the time. And the crash? Time. Did you fall off your bike?
0: Yeah, we we take it pretty pretty steady, but yeah, loads of stacks, loads of stacks. Oh um, my
1: god! And being mountains, like are you like able to ride up, and are you getting off and walking a lot, and then like riding down? Like,
0: yeah, we give it a red hot crack and try and ride it as much as possible. But when there's a, a headwind and, and it's so steep and icy, you're often just having to sort of hop off and and sort of lug. lug and you're the still camping. Out. So this is where this is where kind of where um, the hospitality kind of kind of comes in, and also some pretty. Fortunate moments, like, but yeah, as we as we approached this area in Kyrgyzstan, it was it was freaking cold, and we knew that this was kind of what we'd been probably spending the last nine months kind of preparing for. This like felt like true adventure cycling, you know, for the first time. It was it was it was crazy. Every single person that we spoke, we couldn't find anyone that had actually ridden it in winter. So none of these like cycle uh, bicycle fraternity kind of like whatever blogs, bloggers, you know, books uh, that we'd read, no one had done it in midwinter. So we couldn't get any advice on you know whether yeah, it was yeah. even possible really and of everyone that we spoke to as we were sort of kitting ourselves out in um we found some like dodgy shops in iran we were buying warm gear and when people found out what we were doing we were 100 percent advised to to avoid it you know it's um it's a thing you do in spring or you're something.
1: doing an icy mountain range yeah four thousand like, meters yeah so you yeah. oh my god so like wait, high altitude everything too yeah
0: yeah yeah it was um so yeah. you're
1: riding high altitude you're you're exerting your body on high altitude as well so it's like you ha- are you having trouble breathing when you're riding these
0: yeah it was quite They're it was lightheaded yeah, and everything definitely at 4 000, 4 500 meters oh you start my to god that. this is this
1: is okay okay this has just changed like even like just my perception of the trip because this yeah. perception is like you know like riding a bike through camping you know meeting people like the whole traveling thing yeah mm. Now suddenly we're in like this is ex- expedition.
0: Hmm. I so definitely, definitely, it de- <laughs> de- de- it definitely took on that, and I think it took us ten days. To, was it ten days? Something like that. Between seven and ten days to cross this section, and there was maybe a few like road trucks, like you know, on the road, but we didn't really see any other anyone else on the road for that time. And um, you know, to your, to your point, we kind of got invited in on every single night bar one, and um, which would which was fortunate you know people giving up their beds for us and things like that because they literally thought we were fucking crazy yeah you're gonna freeze
1: to death yeah
0: we slept in a restaurant one night as well we slept in quite a few restaurants but but yeah it was um it was a wild place and the landscape was nothing i've ever seen before man it was absolutely beautiful i mean it was you know ice cap mountains it was we had really good you know crisp bluebird days for the for the most part so it was just it was just stunning. I've never seen anything like this Just snow, before. just white? Yep, totally trees. white. Trees? No trees. Uh, it was all ab- kind of above the tree line, um, yeah. but some really jagged, jagged, stunning kind so of mountain, kind of kind of mountains. Ice-
1: winter Iceland kind of looking terrain. Yeah,
0: it was magical. And this is where kind of one of the, kind of one of the craziest things that happened on the trip happened, um, the whole trip happened on this lake because there was a town called, I think it was called Sari Tash. And we'd stayed in the restaurant there, yeah, that was it, that night. And we'd sort of got fed up on, I think they eat plov over there, which is basically just like lots of big piles of rice and carrots and maybe some goat or something like that. And so we got fed up of, on that this stuff and we knew we had I can't remember, maybe 50 to 100 k's to go. But it was like slow. we would do maybe like 10, 15, 20 k's a day because it was super slow going at this point because of the ice and the wind and the, and the mountains. And we worked out that there's going to be this one section where we're going to have to camp out. Because we couldn't see any towns, we couldn't see anything. And um,
1: do you know? Did you know you had the gear good enough for like that? Like if you spend because obviously you knew like you're gonna have to camp, but like yeah. if it's my if it hits minus thirty five, like are you? Do you know your gear is good enough that you're not gonna freeze to death?
0: Probably not, man. We'd, I reckon we had a very good sleep. I had a good sleeping bag, you know, a good Rab sleeping bag that got down to like a, I think an extreme temperature of maybe like minus twenty, minus twenty five, something like that. Uh, but to be honest yeah we, we didn't really back ourselves kind of camping we were hoping we'd find um i don't know we were hoping maybe we'd find some good samaritan out there yeah. or just something you know and then mate as we left Saritash, the weather turned big time you know we probably got five 10ks out of town and it changed it went from this like stunning landscape to a total whiteout blizzard and Fuck. and we were like we're kind of pot committed at this point um you know it's like do we go back do we keep going and it was like no was we've got to camp so like,
1: exposed i i just <laughs> just for the for the listeners i just want to really so you're on a you're in a mountain range icy roads yeah you, you know you've got a windshield there's a blizzard coming in if it, you're in an area that gets down to minus 35 so it's like you know this is extreme extreme um climate here yeah. and if the uh, blizzards coming in you've got the wind chill you've got like i'm guessing there's like gaps in your jacket you know you've got like maybe goggles on. i don't we, know if we you...
0: yeah we bought some like ski goggles that we were wearing and we yeah. you know you know those like things that they wear and on motorbikes where they have those like you know those things you put your hands in yeah they're sort of big warm furry kind of oh, attachments they get, do
1: that that go on um on, on the, the hand, hand piece. yeah, yeah
0: we, we bought those on the bike and we, we had, we had those
1: and,
0: yeah so we kind of um but even that you've
1: f- fingers because they're separate like were they were they mitted
0: uh mitten mittens inside those yeah, yeah. it's still cold you know yeah it's still cold and you're still you know your bike's freezing so you're still having to like get out piss on your bike you know every couple of k's to kind of you know keep it working and this was the this was definitely one of those shit your pants moments for me that was like a moment of uh panic for sure and jamie and i were jamie's a thankfully you know he's, he's he's a very optimistic dude and and but i could see it in his eyes as well man he was he was panicking and we weren't sure what to do um and we thought literally we're we gonna have to just like i don't know just fucking get into a huddle up on the on the side of the road here and try and put up a tent I mean, there's no way we could put up a tent with, with that blizzard that was going it was like what i don't know what to do like is this gonna happen all night like is it gonna be just an hour or two I don't know but it got worse and worse and worse and maybe after like panicking for for like an hour like still riding,
1: it used to No, you couldn't ride, couldn't, ride, just couldn't ride at
0: this point, you're you
1: know. Right off the cliff,
0: yeah, just like trying to move, but trying to stay warm and figuring out what to do. Just that, that decision making of trying to figure out what our options were, basically. And then, um, and it sounds like it sounds like bullshit, uh, because um, we hadn't seen one of these for the entire trip, but we started walking around just to see what we could find to maybe like sort of huddle up next to or something. And in the distance, through the whiteout, we could see this kind of, some kind of dwelling. Um, and as we got closer, it looked like some kind of road worker's truck. And we thought this is a fucking lifeline, you know? And it was obviously, a, a, you know, people that sort of maintain the road at certain times of the year you know, have used that truck and then they leave it for winter and then go and sort of, you know, get back into it for, for sort of spring or whatever. And, um, and it was a lifeline because we, we, we sort of went up and um, uh, I mean, we would have broken into it if, it if we couldn't, but it was, it was even open. Like um, the cab of the truck. Yeah, the ca- oh, it was like um, it was like a it was like a it was like a it's like a big van basically. Oh, yeah, it yeah. had like a big a big sort of um, in the back you could get in and there was enough space for literally like two or three people to lie down. There was a fireplace built into it as well. Shut up! No, you're know, not joking. There was a pot of tea and coffee, and there was like a stack of rugs up to here. I
1: wonder if they had it parked out there for survival situations.
0: Dude, I think it was just maybe. Maybe. I think it was just one of the luckiest things that ever happened to us in our lives, man. Because if we'd been a bit further up, we wouldn't have seen that truck. Or if we hadn't got as far as we had, we wouldn't have that seen that truck.
1: extremely lucky.
0: It was the luckiest thing. Did you get
1: a fire going in there?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Shut up. So you're, you're in a blizzard. Yeah. Stuck in a blizzard. Whiteout. For people that don't know what a whiteout is, all the snow, the blizzard comes in, you can't see. You literally, man, I've been in whiteouts, you can't see your hand in front of you. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, it's so scary and people get in a lot of trouble because that, you know, like, especially if they're hiking and a whiteout comes in or, you know, or they're doing something backcountry and, that, you know, people, people, they'll pull their phone out, it's that cold, you know, GPS will die that quick, you know what I mean, because the batteries, like everything can just go shit real quick in a whiteout. <laughs> you know, because you can't see, you can't navigate. Exactly right. And you've been able to find Dude. a shelter with blankets.
0: Yeah. It was and, the, it was,
1: and fire and
0: tea. Yeah. Did you drink tea? We drink tea. <laughs> So like five minutes before we were like very much thinking this could be this could be game over you yeah, know you could die here yeah that is literally like it doesn't it, it was the jammiest thing I've got a photo of it I'll show you um, I'll send it to you um, and just what that conditions was like because we got a few photos of, me, of of riding in that snow as well because basically we had this night which was just I and mean, it was still it was still even though we had all these blankets and stuff in there it was so fucking cold for sure man if we'd slept outside we would have I don't Holy think we did because
1: well your plan B would have been like, what, maybe like open up your tents without setting them up just to get in yeah. with your sleeping bag and just lying together in a sleeping bag with like your tent wrapped around mm-hmm. you in the snow and just get.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Maybe use our bikes to sort of fashion some kind of, you like know, sh- wind shelter. I mean, oh my I've God. seen the, the snow caves that you, that you've built, man, but we didn't have the, the, the sort of skills or the, or the sort of um, the, 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 the presence and calmness in that moment to do anything like that. It was just kind of that panic station kind of moment. And uh, yeah, it saved the day, and um, and we had this night in there, and and the next day, of course, like they, we couldn't see the road anymore because the, cause the snow had sort of come right across. So then we're having to sort of navigate for the next couple of days to to get to the border town with with Kashgar, with, you know, with China.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like before a plow can come through. Yeah, or or whatever. How, like you're stuck, or like are you just pushing your bike through the snow? Pushing the bike through the snow, or just like knee deep snow?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was up to yeah, so up to up to knees sometimes. Yeah, it's crazy. Holy shit! Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely. Um, yeah, that put a few hairs on the chest, that that trip for sure. And 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 coming out, I remember like we've stayed in this, I forget what the name of the town was, but as we came down the other side of the mountain range into into Kashgar, and you know, sort of the start of of of, of, sort of China essentially. We'd built this up as like that was the pinnacle moment of our trip. You know, it was like from here on, you know, we've we've done it, Jeremy. We've fucking we've earned our adventure touring badges now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like you, you know, can get yourself through any if you we, can get yourself through that. Yeah. And we built it up like it was going to be coming out of winter and quite literally into spring, you know? Yeah. Little did we fucking know that we then had two deserts to cross, which was going to take us six weeks. So we had to get across the Taklamakan Desert and then the Gobi Desert back to back.
1: Shut up. For the next
0: six weeks. And it was... Um, so
1: are they hot in the day and freezing at night or because of that time of year? It was, it was just, just cold, cold all the cold. time,
0: man. And, and crazy, crazy um, sandstorms. Crazy so, sandstorms. So what are you going to do for water? Well, we just had to carry a shit ton. So we used to, there were towns that were spread out every few hundred Ks and we just have to carry big bladders of water with us and, and just enough water to kind of get us, get us through. And um, man, it was correct crazy because you think deserts, right? And I don't know about you, but I, I kind of had this like notion of, you know, Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia type, you know, yeah. beautiful sand dunes and just camels, camels cresting, you know, at sunset yeah. and shit like that. And it's not, man, it's like deserts for the most part, a bleak, flat, very, uneventful, Harsh. boring, yeah. windy places. And it is like, that was the mind fight oh, it's like the middle of that of trip. Oz, you're just like, yeah, you're like, you're out there and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was heck man. And then that was, um, that was actually the, 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 most challenging part of the trip. I think it was, was not the, the kind of surviving minus whatever, you know, in Kyrgyzstan it was, um, it was the boredom of like just the same day every day of just like, straight six roads weeks. yeah for six weeks through wind and um and still and sandstorms and and um yeah it was pretty yeah it was a pretty rough start to to what we thought was going to be spring and the, and the warm sort of <laughs> run into australia but no it was um, it was a it was a wild it was a wild time man and that was definitely um yeah the time where i really felt like yeah now we're now we're adventure touring
1: did, did you know like when you first li- uh left uh that you're going to be challenged this much
0: Hmm. I think you kind of semi-prepare yourself for challenging moments, but until you get into them, you don't really realize what you're setting yourself up for. Or what you're capable of. You know well, I mean? did, you,
1: did you find like, like, like how you said, like getting through that mountain, like you earned your stripes and then mm. suddenly going through this desert, you know, did you find a part of yourself you didn't know that was there, like an extra gear, like, you mm. know, a part of your mind?
0: Definitely. I think I th- I'm quite a determined little bastard. And I've always thought that if I can find something that I'm, that I'm into, like I'm, I kind of don't give up, you know. And yeah. um. But that that trip really, really proved that to me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because I think there could have been a lot of moments of throwing the towel in. Um, and I think depending on your mindset, an experience like we had in Kyrgyzstan would be the towel for for a lot of people. I think because you know it's unsafe it's scary and and it's like fuck is it worth it but for for me that was um that was both exactly why i did the trip to have to have moments like that and and to feel that that sense of adventure and and kind of accomplishment as well from doing that kind of shit that that kind of rewires your brain a little bit i think you know yeah. i think that changes the way that you kind of approach lots of other things and without getting you know too deep i think that's been a big that's been a big lesson and and sort of alteration in the way that I live my life after not, not just that Kyrgyzstan experience, but the trip in general. It's like, well, fuck, if I can cycle across the world, like, what else can I do? Yeah.
1: You know? Yeah. Yeah. I was, just, I was just thinking too, like, how many times you're, you're in that zone of pushing yourself, like, so across the desert kind of thing, Yeah, you're there. And the thing is, it's, it, it was making me think of like sailing, like when you're in the middle of the ocean, mm. a storm hits, like, you can't check out. You've got to deal with it. You know what I mean? So like you're, you've put yourself in this situation, like you and you and your mate, of like having to be completely responsible. Mm. You know what I mean? To man up to anything mm. that gets thrown at you. So you know you can't be a pussy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you've got to find your strength, and you got to, you know.
0: And that is that's exactly right. And that is a liberating feeling to be entirely in control of your destiny, basically. And I think that's one of the things that I was trying to get away from before. Yeah is so many things i realized that i le- i would lean into other people to make decisions for or do for me or 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 provide support for or you know point me in the right direction whereas like i needed something to where it was fucking me you know and and i did have jamie there to sort of help with the de- decision making of course for a lot of it but but to really feel like i was in charge of both good and bad what might happen is um is quite an exciting liberating it's quite scary feeling as well And I think that's one of the things that I try and emulate now just on my sort of micro adventures that I'm doing where it's just me for a night is taking that same sense of adventure and sort of packing it into, you know, a sort of a turbo experience that, you know, is not obviously two years. It might just be two days, but, you know, you've got that same sense of ownership of what might happen out there, control or lack of control as to what as to what might happen. And that's, yeah, that sense of adventure, that's kind of. What, what i'm trying to recreate now like you know in, 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 a, in a smaller sense yeah
1: well it, it, and keep that fire within you mm, you know yeah. what i
0: mean
1: yeah yeah so did you by going with jamie did you like i, I can understand why you're best mates because you had trials and tribulations together you know you mm. had to you had to work together as a team you had to get yourself through stuff but did you ever piss each other off <laughs> Uh, by being in such close vicinity doing so. Cause like, th- I'm just thinking about like, especially with endurance, like you, you in this spot where, like, you know, you're getting hungry, you're getting tired, you're getting dehydrated and you have still got to push on. And then like, you know, mm-hmm. you're working together and then like, you know, you know, and that's that part wh- where you get like highly agitated, yeah, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah. I think it, I want to say that we, I don't want to say I, I kind of, you think that two years living in quite an intense environment literally like together most of the time you'd think that we would have had major fallouts we didn't have one fallout in two years man really not one and we had don't go wrong we had a day you know we all wake up on the wrong side of the, the tent sometimes right yeah and you're kind of thinking don't talk to me today yeah but you know it's like when you get friendly with anyone you just know the days where you don't go and talk to that person yeah you, you just know just, when they need their you space. just know when you need your space here's your coffee mate Over, yeah you know. Yeah, it's more because you're a team. It's support. You know? Yeah. I would regularly say to people, like, I wish I found Jamie attractive because we could just go and spend the rest <laughs> of our lives together. We wouldn't need anyone else. Do you know what I mean? We were like the best couple <laughs> yeah. on the planet without uh-huh. the attraction. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we formed a super tight bond, right? And so, yeah, we had days where we got a bit, uh, you know, it got stressful. But he's a pretty easy going, very easygoing dude. I mean, Jamie now lives in a, in a, in a commune in uh, Portugal. Oh really? Yeah. So he um, he part he was he joined a commune and then he sort of got land near to it. Now but he's sort of kind of involved, um, but but Jamie is like, you know, Jamie's very alternative, right? He's, he was hippie. He's a total hippie at heart and nonconformist, and, and so uh, and his attitude to things is generally just like pretty happy go lucky. Yeah. And when you do those sorts of trips. You want to be with people like that, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, take the rough with the smooth and keep a smile on your face. Yeah. We had this weird saying that like, because we kept, we raised a um, hundred grand for charity, right? During this trip. So we, um, a hundred thousand um, Aussie dollars and, uh, we were raising for two charities. So, uh, as part of that, we were keeping a blog, wow. we were keeping a blog and we were, um, you know, we were sort of you know, capturing a lot of content and sharing it with people and, you know, with a view to like just share the adventure, but maybe get people to donate towards brain, um, uh, brain tumor research or MS society. And every time something weird went wrong, the first thing, Jamie, like the, the, the weird one mister experience or getting robbed or all the other shit that he got, you know, ticking tick in his dick and all that sort of stuff. Um, he <laughs> got a tick in his dick. Yeah. yeah. It, just, it would always be like, it's going to make a good blog though, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And he just had that approach. It's like, you know, he just wanted to celebrate the good times and the bad. And Yeah. um and just, at the end of the day, it makes a good story. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and he had that approach and, a, and I think, um, yeah, we, we were a really good team. Really good team, you know? And and I think back to what you said before. I think if you're going to do any kind of adventure, I think there's hats off to people that do that sort of thing by themselves because they do. I'm I think I'm too much of an extrovert to do that. I think I'd probably yeah. go insane if I did the whole thing by myself. I'm very much of the mindset that doing it with someone else is both more enjoyable for someone like me, but also say a bit a little bit safer just to share that experience. But uh, yeah, hats off to anyone that kind of does it does it solo because it's a it's a different kind of fish. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's funny because I. I like to do a few, a lot of trips solo, but at the same time, I just do that because there's no one that can come. Yeah. <laughs> you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. So I'm, still, I'm not going to hold back. But I love, I love an yeah. adventure with with mates, especially especially getting into like those hectic situations. Like Alexa, Blake, and I when we sailed, it was just so magical. Mm. You know, like a mutual friend of ours, like still stoked Alexa. But you know, like Blake and I on that trip when we got attacked by the shark, like it was just like. Yeah such a um yeah bonding moment in a way i've always got that with that dude you know and just for us to both step up in that that moment as well you know like it's just like
0: is that your is are they the best friendships that you've developed in you know over the last of 10 years or so mate has that been through are they mates that you've done adventures with primarily yeah yeah it's weird Some, some of
1: the closest friends in my life now people that i've met adventuring Mm. on adventures and like being through something together yeah you know what i mean like i've i've got my mates that i grew up with and we're we're all super close and everything too and then i've got um such a solid foundation like solid group of friends that are just Mm. from like just you know met somewhere blake i met him him and foy his mate foy We all backpacking in south america 13 years ago 14 15 years ago and he was riding a push bike down down the street and i called him over i saw him i was like these white dude i called him like called him over and asked him for some information of like where to stay or what he was doing Mm. you know and the next thing like we're camping together and next thing we're traveling together and then it just it just started like we backpacked all through south america together and then years later he came over he bought a car and was driving from canada down to panama (laughs) and he came and stayed with me in whistler we went on this adventure and then um him and I camped, I did stuff down in Sydney and then we went sailing together. It's just like, you know, like always just, you know, just these. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing. I, I, that's a, the bond that you get with doing, you know, adventure with someone because you've, you've got a common goal that you've got to work together mm. to get to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, okay, so coming through China. Mm. You know, like one, um, now I'm thinking, like once you're getting into Asia, the top of China, no, maybe not. Mm. But now getting into Asia, then what was it coming down through, like what Vietnam, Cambodia, all that, like
0: yeah, yeah, it was sort of getting onto that, that I guess you'd call it the sort of the the more trodden sort of route, right? Yeah. You know, you- I'm I'm thinking,
1: I'm I'm guessing that like the trip in itself turned from more of like an expedition kind of like you know, Europe, mm. bit more fun, like yeah. camping, to suddenly more like. um you know, cultural to expedition, mm. you know, get now going down through China, like China's like, I really want to go to Mongolia and like th- those little countries that you were just saying, like I'd love to experience it the alone season yeah. in Mongolia. Yeah. Oh I'm my God, that. it looked amazing. Yeah. But then, you know, now I'm thinking if you're coming down through... Now you're hitting like backpacker central, like yeah. party central. I'm thinking like, are you getting off the bikes and getting into the hostels, like and like, yeah. you know, eating more street food? Like once you get yeah. down into Asia, I'm thinking like, this whole trip's about to change. Mm,
0: yeah, it, it did actually, mate. That's a, it's a good good observation because I think, you know, once we got into the middle of China, we sort of hit uh, Chengdu, and then we sort of headed through the middle. And, and fascinating, China is a fascinating, crazy place culturally crazy right i didn't never quite got my head around it but you know and it's it, huge it's enormous man and like the different provinces the, the Sichuan province is it or is it yunnan one of the provinces has something like 20 plus ethnic minorities within that one place and so you'd be cycling and you know people will be dressed up in a certain way with a certain type of hat on and then you go literally like 100 200ks down the road um it's a rasta it's a rastafarian um, kind of ethnic group there, right? Everyone's walking around with dreads, and they've got a different kind of way of, like, sort of. You're kidding? No, I'm not joking. It was fascinating. And then you go further on, you're you're on the fringe of, of Tibet here as well. So you're passing monasteries and 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 super spiritual kind of you know people and places and Really, it was wild. That just
1: blow me out like having such subcultures because when I think of China, I think you know like more of like regime, as in like yeah. don't go outside the box. Mm. Now you're saying there's like. <laughs>
0: you know My, uh, man it's it, it, sub- reggae subculture <laughs> dude it's, it's it's really it's really crazy and yeah I, i'm kind of the same it's kind of a really interesting i mean i have generally found from travel is that the warmer the climate the the kind of the warmer the people are generally yeah <laughs> um and so and, and sort of uh, you know definitely in that sort of sit around yunnan it's kind of tropical as you head heading towards lao and uh had some good times uh, but then yeah you're sort of you, you start to see more White faces on the roads. You know, you you we stayed at hostels because we come. Yeah, you know, it's kind of cheap. Was people, that, that
1: weird when you first started coming into like, say, tourist areas? Mm. You, you know, when when you've been traveling so raw, so mm. wild, and then next thing you come in, you are like start yeah. seeing other white people, and then talking to them, and just being like, oh, no, I've just I've been Ryan from England. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, you know yeah.
0: what I mean. It was kind of mixed feelings because there's part of me that was, you know, we were 25, 26 year old, you know, red blooded males, you know, who've been you know, out crossing deserts and mountain ranges for sort of the last however long year and a half or whatever. Um, And then all of a sudden, you know, you're sort of in a -a backpackerville, you're seeing other travelers and you can sort of share war stories and, and communicate in a kind of different way and just party and just generally just kind of enjoy yourself being 26. And so um, I was really looking forward to that. But um, I remember Jamie and I very quickly, we we were kind of fidgety and, and kind of uncomfortable with, you know, the... Just with that lifestyle, yeah, you know, it's kind of fun for fun for, for the weekend, yeah, fun for a weekend. Yeah, when then you're
1: saving of... your one euro a day, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly right, yeah, <laughs> that's it,
1: and it's just blown right. Friday oh, it night, it's on,
0: yeah.
1: But I, I get what you mean, like being suddenly immersed in in that. It's a different culture, like yeah, it's it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're out raw and wild, and you just want to get back out there. Mm, yeah, you know, because exactly. it's that's the freedom. You got so much freedom out there.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I I'm, I'm bursting for a whiz. Do you mind if I just nip yeah. out for one?
1: Yeah, no, go for it. Okay, but we're up to. You just, okay, a little. No, yeah, we're back, and it's good because this whole time I've had little JoJo the kangaroo little in my Jojo. lap, and he started getting real hungry, so I gave him his butt. <laughs> How was
0: your wee? <laughs> it was fantastic. <laughs> man. I think I've still got half of it on my trousers, but. Okay.
1: Wait, how'd you go when you're um up in the mountains Mm. and having to do number twos and the
0: snow (laughs) how much does that suck eh? no i'd say my my leave no trace um policies were probably a little bit more flex back back then yeah but yeah lots of lots of danger poos you know under bridges and yeah yeah, generally just when you got to go you got to go haven't you
1: yeah how was that like you you know like riding you you know like showers wise like Mm. when you when you weren't staying with people, you're just the whole time looking for streams and everything. And the-
0: yeah, yeah, and that was kind of cool, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's quite a fun part. Yeah, to- that's a,
1: that's also part of it, eh? Like seeing yeah. a good stream, like when it comes, it comes. Oh, well, now's the time. Exactly. You know, let's jump in. Yeah, I love that. And then, so now getting down through Asia, now yeah. you're saying like, um, you know, you you've hit the, like the kind of tourist, like kind of party scene and everything, mm. but you're, you know, you're you're in this raw, wild, mm. kind of s- state. So what what would you say was the difference between you like riding through like southeast asia going through Laos, vietnam and and Mm. thailand and everything like what what did you experience different to like what the normal backpacker or tourist would experience by going on bike
0: yeah i think that the it's a i mean southeast asia is crazy man because it's such culturally a fascinating part of the world and um it's a lot more congested than what than what we we were used to but the beautiful thing about this probably comes back to why bicycle travel is just so damn good man because you know if you're on a bus or on a train you're obviously you know you're a b c d e in it right you're sort of heading to the main the main spots and you know, there are other ways that you can travel as well it's getting a motorbike over there or whatever but what's so cool about a bike is what and where you really immerse yourself in the culture is it's the stuff between those towns it's all the shit that you see between the hot spots yeah. and that's what bicycle travel is good for so you know if we'd had a you know a bender in you know cm reap or something like that you know we knew that we'd have however long it was to the next t- main town like we knew that we could have that come up for air and sort of escape that very quickly on a bicycle because as soon as you start pedaling and you start to get that heart pumping again get the oxygen flowing and just getting out of that little bubble of you know partying um you're back out there you know and yeah it might not be as in some sections it might not be as wild as you know freaking iraq or whatever but it's still still wild and, and and you start to see the locals who are probably not that familiar with tourists as much as their kind of brothers and sisters over in the main city so you sort of start having those encounters that are you know only, a more real yeah and so we it, yes it was a back, it was kind of more backpacking and, and, and we had had a good time but we still made the most of those sort of in between sort of moments and that what's that's what kind of you know sort of kept me um sane i think
1: how, but in southeast asia like when you yeah. as you're saying that i'm I, I, so i remember bussing across across thailand now i'm thinking about the roads how dangerous mm. and wild those yeah. roads are and then and you're saying the locals you know not used to you know seeing those tourists and i was thinking neither are the bus drivers <laughs> you know what i mean like you, you know you're, you're these two white tourist dudes on on the road on like and we all know how crazy like roads are in southeast asia dude and how busy they are and people driving on the wrong side of the road just to get there you know around everyone how are you how are you navigating this on a push
0: by mm. yeah it's funny you say that because i see i see bicycle tourists now on the road and my first thought is fuck you're vulnerable what are you doing you know and yeah. i have to remind myself that i did that for two years <laughs> yeah. but you kind of i remember when we started you know we had you know all the gear we were sort of like you know helmets and all the rest of it but yeah, I'm not proud of it, but you know, we didn't wear helmets for the, for the trip, right? You know, we, you know, we um, we weren't pictures of health either on this trip. I mean, I was a smoker as well for the for the duration of this this adventure yeah, right. as well, right? So yeah. um, it was kind of we were very non traditional cyclists in, in many ways. But the roads were you just get used to how perilous they are, right? When you first start, you're like, this is hectic. We got you know, especially um, you know, motor. I don't, we didn't cycle so many motorways, but some of the major roads in Europe, you got like not road trains like you get here, but big fucking trucks that pass within like a metre and a half of your bike and you're like... Nearly blow you off. Yeah, that's pretty close. Cool. Um, But you just get used to it, man. You just get used to it. And so by the time... Uh, you know we're in southeast asia most of the roads there have some sort of not a le not, not a lay by but they have space between the sort of grassy verge or whatever it is and the actual road itself and so you just sort of hug into that sort of hard, not lay by hard shoulder you sort of tucked into the hard shoulder as much as possible really and when you hear a truck coming you just get as close to the side as as possible and if it's a narrow road uh, you just get off the road you know they're actually the worst drivers are probably China, man. They're, they're they're nightmares. And also their tires are crap, right? And so they blow all the time. And they reinforce their tires with really fine metal, uh, which is a shocker for punctures, right? Um, and so we'd yeah, we'd have spells in, in China where it'd be like six, seven, eight, nine punctures in a day where you're having to sort of pull over and like, you know, put a patch on your inner tube and oh, get that going.
1: That's a whole nother question, like... Yeah, like are you taking like Heaps of tubes and bike pumps And like punchy kits with you Or can you replace those tubes When you're on the road?
0: Yeah, you can I mean I'm I'm pretty I'm not the most mechanically minded dude And that's what I like about bikes Is that they're really simple And when things go wrong You can pretty much fix it yourself As long as the, the metal doesn't break I made a point of getting a, a steel bike And I, I'd advise anyone doing big trips To do steel if you, Especially if you're going overseas Because when steel breaks You can obviously weld it, right? And most people um, around the world Know a welder of some description Whereas if you've got an alloy, aluminium of some kind, way um, harder to weld. Yeah, it's a nightmare to do it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, but like the bike problems that we had mainly were, you know, spokes would go. I'd I'd had to replace the wheels a couple of times, but it was mainly punctures, man. You know, you can see I've got this uh, roll off hub at the back, which um is Pandora's box, mate. uh, As far as I'm concerned, it's it's basically the you have fourteen different gears in there that you that you change just on a on a sort of a twizzler on the, uh, yeah. handle, the handlebars and uh and because it's all contained within that hub you don't need to worry about dirt or you, know, you know, um water or anything getting in there so it's like super low maintenance kind of uh um, gear system basically which um it's a bit more expensive up front to buy i mean i got, I got it second hand but i'd i'd recommend that if, if for those that don't want to muck around with derailleurs and, and and all the rest of it
1: are they expensive mm. like bikes like the bike for the trip I suppose like it, it's definitely worth it. Cause that's all you're going
0: to. Yeah. Well, it's funny cause Justin, um, Justin, Jamie, for example, he, so I, I think I spent, I can remember it was 1500 pounds, right. To get the bike and a whole heap of other gizmos for it. Like, you know, the bags and racks and that sort of shit. And Jamie spent probably like maybe half that, but the nightmares that he had with his bike, I mean, it limped into Sydney and he put it straight in the bin pretty much because it just broke, you know, every, god knows how long it was just constantly trying to find a mechanic of some kind to, to fix things so it's a good lesson in probably spending a little bit more up front to sort oh of avoid that. the headache so once you get going
1: so if you, if you go all through asia through malaysia through singapore yeah and you just get a boat to indonesia
0: mm. well basically what happened is we had too much of a good time and we ran out of money uh when we got to uh lombok and so we were we, we were eyeing up getting a um yeah jumping on a boat uh, from East Timor across. And that was always the plan because we were sort of pretty adamant that we didn't want to get on a plane. And uh but yeah, we basically just ran out of money into Bali Lombok area and with pretty much our last remaining 100 bucks or 200 bucks we got a flight to Darwin. And when we got to Darwin, we went and worked in uh, pick ma- pick mangoes for uh for about 2 months. How is that how is that coming
1: into Australia to like you know the back to the western world after spending like you know two years yeah you know riding Dude,
0: i saw a baguette at the airport for eight dollars and i remember <laughs> thinking what the fuck is yeah. that uh and i thought we need to get jobs immediately um but yeah it was definitely um it was definitely a bit of a cult culture shock for sure being back in a fully western sort of country again
1: and doing work
0: yeah work but i mean it was fruit picking you know i kind of yeah. enjoyed it and it was uh, i like kind of hard hard work and i like getting to the end of the, of the day and just being kind of Broken, you know, from hard work, hard labor. Yeah. It felt good. Um, got to meet some really cool people, and I got to eat, eat more mangoes than I could possibly,
1: you know. Were you still sleeping in your tent?
0: Still slept in the tent. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We found a campground nearby, and we just worked there and saved a load of money. And then we went to go work in a fishing lodge uh, over in um, Dundee, which is sort of uh, a bit further sort of to the west from, from Darwin, which was, uh, yeah, wild place. Just worked there for uh, in, a, in, a, in a sort of a bar. Kind of fishing lodge, yeah, for, for about a month or two. And then, um, and then saved up enough money to basically just go through the guts um, all the way to Adelaide, down the Stuart Highway, and then across up to Sydney.
1: Oh, so you went, you rode down through the desert, down yeah. to Alice Springs. So yeah. then straight up, you're having those hot days. Yeah. Like, no, uh, like cold nights. But <laughs> also, like, along that trek compared to other places you are in the world it's so far from town to town for water mm,
0: yeah yeah it was definitely a shock once again we got pretty well drilled in carrying a shit ton of water on the on the bikes and um but yeah it was definitely the hot it was the hottest we'd been on the trip was because we crossed it once again we missed timed it all and it was january when we were doing the the sort of you know the guts right so Fuck off. yeah we did it in january and so middle of summer middle of summer <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh like 45
1: yeah, we, degree days.
0: Yeah, it was one of the guys uh, we met. This German, this crazy German cyclist. He was a bit of an odd guy actually, but he um called Gunther, and he uh, he had like a temperature thing on his. We we didn't have any gizmos on our bike, man. We yeah. we really didn't d- didn't have phone uh, phones for most of the trip either. But he yeah. had a thing that with a temperature gauge, and it, it hit 50 degrees on on his thing when we were in I don't know somewhere north of Alice, somewhere between Alice and yeah and uh, and Darwin. So yeah, it was pretty pretty toasty out there. But um I made to yeah.
1: right, that's like. I, I want. I'm just wondering if your body's like slowly climatizing to that because if you just put your put anyone on a push bike mm. in 50 degree heat, you know they're not going <laughs> to last long. Like that is severe, harsh country out there. Like we, yeah, oh, I don't know if, if I can say the, the show that I was just working on. Mm putting people in the outback they had to change everything because that outback is so harsh mm. you know what i mean because they couldn't have you can't have people standing in, in 45 degree heat or 40 degree heat for hours you know what i mean and you're putting yourself in a situation where you're riding a push bike yeah, through was, that for you know 100k 200k man it's even even, a day, you know? even
0: yeah, talking about it it's like it is it was a bit of a bit of <laughs> would you
1: do it again now
0: hmm the whole trip
1: or just or even any big parts of it like mm. do you like do, do you feel like now that you've come back or something mm. you, you've done and accomplished and you don't need to do it again, or like do you yeah. do you miss like do you miss those days of getting on the bike, you know like you know doing it for a weekend would be something different yeah but like would you yeah. be like, oh, you know you know I've done it before, I might jump on the bike and ride to western Australia do you but mm. you just don't have the need for that anymore? It's,
0: yeah, it's funny because I thought as i said at the start you know a few weeks in i was like this is me this is me for good you know i'm not necessarily on a bike it, it, the, the excitement for me wasn't necessarily the bike it was <clears throat> it was seeing the world in a slightly alternative way yeah and so the plan that we'd that had sort of built during the trip was we were going to go and pack craft the rivers in south america so the plan was to save some money in sydney yeah, you know, get over to yeah probably somewhere like maybe start in brazil but that basically and try and find some of the tributaries that feed into the amazon and just do some of some of the rivers up there that was kind of the plan wow that would be amazing so yeah and i've I've done a few pack rafting trips in 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 oz you know in in tassie and uh, that's a whole other story but um but yeah kind of pack rafting has been something i've done but you know that trip didn't you know extending the trip beyond the, the two years on the bike didn't happen but yeah to answer your question i think i'm i really miss i really miss um waking up every day and having an adventure with ahead of you and having no idea what's no going to happen. No idea what's going to happen. That was a, that's a good feeling. And I think being t- the time in my life being, you know, mid twenties is such an exciting time. You know, it's such a time where you, you're beginning to kind of understand yourself a little bit more, you know, the whole world's in front of you, which is quite literally um, in front of you. Yeah. And, and what's going to happen? Where's this going to take me? I had no idea you know and 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 you know it's led me to led me to sort of setting up you know, we're explorers and living up in the in the northern rivers and you know if you said that to me you know before I set off that i you know this is where I'd be now in twenty twenty one I'd say no fucking way you know? I, so yeah i just I, and it's all through it's all through been, you know being uh yeah putting yourself out there and just uh and embracing. Adventure and change, and, 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 and throwing kind of caution to the wind a little bit.
1: Yeah, it's like Eric. I, I did 14,000 miles to Chile. Oh, yeah. Uh, a podcast with him. I met him. He was riding a, a motorbike mm. from Oregon down to Patagonia and then back, and just watching his story, see where he ended up. And like he ended up in this town, in the south of Chile, that he got stuck with COVID got a girlfriend, bought land, building a house. Like it's just, you know what I mean? I was just, I knew when I met him that his plan, rough plan of like going down and back was going to change his whole life. Mm. I just knew that, Mm. you know what I mean? I was like going into this, the whole trajectory of his life has changed. You know what I mean? Like the whole trajectory of your life, like you left England, now you live in Australia. Mm. You know what I mean? Now you live in the Northern Rivers. Mm. You've got a, a company which promotes the adventurous lifestyle Mm. you know you know what i mean and it's Mm. like you also you know you've got the merits to be able to also do that Mm. but it's like what if you okay so you needed to do this trip to Mm. to come into yourself and like learn about yourself and learn about the world and learn who you are right but it's like what are the basis of what you learn? You know you know what I mean? Like, so you say to this young mm. fella, this young fella comes in, you go, uh, you know, they kind of have to go learn it for themselves. You, you know, like, but you know, you, you give them the the wise wisdom. Mm. You know what I mean? To hopefully put them on their path. And, you know, because you're like, mate, you know, don't do that because this will happen. Or like, you know what you want to get, you know, this is what life's about. You know, it's like, what did you learn on that trip? Okay, you're, you're a father actually. Mm. It's like, what did you learn on that trip that has mm. changed, that has change like your ideals like what you believe in in life that you'd want to pass on it mm. yeah, was kind of a big question it's yeah. a
0: big question good question I, I think i'd start by saying that <clears throat> i think advent big adventure for me anyway and i think maybe this is the same for you as well i don't know but you know big adventures are like the catalyst for pretty big change in your life and that's kind of how I saw the bike trip it was like I needed a catalyst for some pretty major change and I think adventures provide an an amazing um, opportunity or like launch pad into a new way of living and thinking about the world and that's why I'm a massive advocate of adventure because I think it holds such power for for change and that doesn't necessarily need to be yeah, you know, sailing the fucking world like you have or going on big, big bike trips or, you know, for, for multiple months, you know, I think you can have it, as I said, on a, on a more micro scale. But, you know, I've always, I look back on this trip and it has been an enormous, um, you know, yeah, catalyst or, you know, change um, sort of instigator in my life. And in terms of what I've learned, yeah, I think about this a lot. And I had a lot of time to think about it on the bike. Don't forget as well, you know, you have, you, you become a sort of a professional daydreamer when you're riding mm. bikes because you're spending like, because even though we're riding together, you know, and sometimes we'll sit there and, you know, chat bollocks for a bit, but then we'd, you know, we'd go off ahead and, and you know, you had eight hours just at the saddle, just thinking. Yeah. I, my iPod was iPod was nicked. I didn't even have music. It's just very much just you and your surroundings. Really and thought. it's pretty cool. It's a pretty, pretty scary place to be sometimes as well. But um, I think some of the big things that I learned, uh, I, I think one of the biggest things I learned is to never let experience, your experience get in the way of doing something, right? Yeah. Because one of the big things that, I hear time and time again, and you know, we kind of touched upon it earlier in the chat as well. You kind of read these books and you immediately put someone who does something like that into this box of you're superhuman. I'm not like you. I'm not going to do it. And it's generally based on kind of um, your own fears, looking at that situation and going, well, I can't, I can't do that. But little do they know that a lot of these people that do these trips were exactly the same. You know, they're, mm. they're facing their fears through through doing the trip and at some point you're not going to have control over the outcome and at some point you've got to go i'm going to give it a go anyway basically and and to think that because you you know you haven't done a lot of riding around the uk before you you know you don't know your way around a bike or i've never really camped in scary places before i've never the middle east sounds pretty freaky like if you let those questions get into your head and, um, and if you convert that to any sort of adventure or thing you want to do, not just adventure, anything you want to do, then you're going to talk yourself out of it. Humans are really good at talking themselves out of yeah. doing stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. Finding <laughs> any excuse. Not yeah, to it. yeah, it's really
0: easy to. And, and I, think, um, I think that's one of the big things for me. And, it, and, and like everything I do with We Are Explorers, I don't know where I'm, um, to be perfectly honest, like I'm just winging it. Yeah. I think we all are. One of, the, we all are, yeah. one of the greatest, real, one of the greatest reminders I always tell myself when I'm doing anything that feels uncomfortable, and and this might be in a in a work context, right? You sort of sat across the table from someone, and it might be some intimidating, you know, woman or man who's on paper, you know, very good at what they do, and and kind of whatever. I always remind myself that that person is also just having a go, and is more than likely totally out of their comfort zone and and, and winging it as well yeah. and
1: they're just trying to figure it out and they're yeah. just trying
0: to figure it out no one knows what they're doing and if they do they're probably lying to <laughs> you yeah. um and I, and I think that's one of the big things that i've just really been cemented for me and i think it's a really important lesson because it just means now when i go to do anything my immediate reaction is what's the worst that can happen let's let's just give it a crack yeah. And I, I'm not immediately thinking, oh, it's because I cycle around the world. I have the power to do this. It's not that at all. It's just more, it's just this intrinsic thing. It's like this well, switch that, that that's happened, I think. Well,
1: well, what it is, right, what it is, right, is anything you do a lot of, you get good at, right? Mm. And by doing that bike riders, like for two years, you did that. Mm. So it became a habit. You know what I mean? So yeah. you learned that you, and you learned that the outcome was always that's okay. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, when you said to me before, you know, waking up in the morning, the feeling of waking up in the morning and not knowing what was going to happen, that every day is an adventure. When you said that, I got butterflies in my stomach, right? Mm. And then when you said like, you know, like growing in, in yourself, I was thinking about like, you know, like right now, like what I do in my life. It's like, yeah, I just, you know, like right now, I've just suddenly been like, go, go, go and getting things done, building my mm. house, working on jobs and everything. And the next thing I'm like, oh, and even though what I've been doing is so much fun, next thing I found like I'm not mm. in my free flow state of just freedom of the expression of just going with it, you know, because I've got responsibility. And so as soon as you said that, I had that butterfly mm. in my stomach of just letting go. And then I thought about it, well, what's the growing part of letting go when you're saying like, you know, you, you grow so much. And when you said like, you're on the bike and you've just got you to think. And then I was like thinking about it. I was like, oh, every time I let go and I'm just free, right? I've got nothing else to think about. Mm. You know what I mean? But what is and so that's when I get to, like, look at myself, learn about myself, or know what the decisions are. You know, like you're saying, like, you know, go on an adventure. It's, like, so growing because it's because you get rid of the noise. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you wake up and you just completely allow yourself to drop everything and, and let go of control. And you go out on an adventure. You know, when you get up on that bike for that day, you're not worrying about like, oh, you know, you got to do this and hit this deadline and you got to do that and like you got to do this for work and that for work. You suddenly like don't have to worry about any of that. So you've allowed space for you to think about like the other things that you don't get time to think about. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, do I really do I really enjoy my job Mm. because I actually haven't had to sit back and like look at it is is this doing this what I'm doing right now? Is it really the best for me? you know what i mean like mm. and you're able to sit back and have that time and space to actually ask yourself those questions yeah you know?
0: that's that's a really good point because i think that's often what we all lack or we've it just so happens that we live in a society now where we don't give ourselves that time right just to really sort of sit and, 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 ref, and reflect on what's going on you're just fucking going for it all the time aren't we
1: yeah so i'm so excited about this um about this island trip like going up and like just yeah it's, i'm gonna do a good four months i reckon really just like having fun maybe even more what's the trip well i want to ride a push bike i don't know where the push bike's going to come in to where the knee comes in when i can do it mm. but i want to ride a push bike up east coast of uh, east coast of queensland and go dive on the islands but the main trip is to go to the keppel island camp on the keppels Follow the boats going north. So just hitchhike on yachts that are going north. Go to the Percy Island, which is are real remote. No. Camp on them. for That's the main part of the trip. I want to spend at least a month on on middle Percy Island. And the thing is about this, everything I've been researching is that, like, I thought it was going to be this raw, wild, like, survival island trip. And then everything I'm researching is, like, well, there's going to be yachties stopping through at the right time, like, mm. kind of, like, every day. There's going to be different people anchored in. There's an A-frame on the beach that you can actually camp at that actually has... Because there's, there's a one couple that live on the island and then you've got the yachties coming to the beach every day but they've built a, like a common place for the yachties kind of thing and you can camp there and there's a solar panel and there's a water <laughs> tank from the roof off the thing. So it was like... The, so the next thing went from like you know there's obviously not going to be a reception or whatever but i'm going to be able to charge a light charge charge a camera Jeez. i'm going to be able to um that changes the game yeah well t- i've got to i've got to call the homestead i've got to figure out if it's still there and in working order but there's a water tank there so now i've got like water you know that was the biggest thing like trying to get coconut survival supposedly there's a fire pit there with a grill on it like it, just a metal plate on the top of the grill so it's like straight up i'm like oh, okay there's a place to be able to cook my fish You know what I mean? It just suddenly limited the stuff that I had to take. And it went from like this survival trip to like actually camping and being able to Mm. give myself everything to explore the island. So I'll just take some rice and lentils and some stuff and catch fish. You know what I mean? And it's just like now I'm thinking I've got this whole island to explore to dive and like meet different people and like see where I end up. And then like when I'm ready to leave, whatever yacht's coming through, they go north or south. If I go to the Sundays and then camp on islands there or go back south and wherever I end up back on land, Mm -hmm. I just hitchhike back to my car. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just so simple. So good. And it's just so easy. But I just keep thinking about all I've got to do is let go. Yeah. And do it. You know what I mean? Like, there's a job that I might do up in, in there. That time, it's just, it's just everything is just like all I've got to do is just let go and allow mm. myself to do it. And it's when that happens, like it's going to happen the next couple of months, but it's just I've got to figure it out. But it's just that feeling of just letting go, and that's right. Right now, I'm I'm on the verge of letting mm. go, but I'm not there yet. I haven't done mm. it yet. So like when you say to me like, oh, waking up in the day and it's just every day is going yeah. to be an adventure. Yeah, yeah. got nothing else yeah. on but that. It, it just triggers sparks yeah. this thing yeah. in me, mm. but. I can tell you now that I know. As soon as I go there and do that, mm. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna come back being the best version of myself that I am because I do that on every trip mm. where I let go because it grounds me. Mm. It gets me back to just me because I strip away all the other shit mm. and then I can come back to this life. I can come back to my can come back to work and like go back into this mm. and really look at it like you know without that attachment, without that. Um, you know fear like Mm. you know and then and then you know like you you do that and you're in such a good space and then six months a year later you're like
0: oh i need another trip to ground myself again you know are your trips do you find the way when you go into like planning and dreaming about the trips that you do are they progressively getting more and more daring and if so like is it constantly a challenge for you to keep pushing and getting gnarlier with what Um, you do um
1: nah oh yes I wouldn't say more daring, I'd say more comfortable. i say I've done a lot of the daring stuff and mm. I still want to do some really daring things. So like I've gone out and like, you know, done some survival trips before, mm. you know you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, this is going to be a bit daring doing this. Oh, can I do it? Yeah, I've done it before. I can do it again. Oh, it's going to be fun. And then it actually was like, oh, learning that there's some solar, some water, there's some shelter there, mm. you know what I mean? Suddenly so took all that out and just, got me excited about Mm. like oh now that it's like the challenge it's still gonna be challenging still gonna have to catch fish every day but now it's like I can just play Mm. you know what I mean like when you're Mm. in survival trips it's like you don't get as much time to play yeah right you know because you're looking after yourself and it's challenging and you're growing and everything but like the thing is just being on an island by myself and just like meeting people and experiencing um that solitude and then being out to adventure with rent because you're putting yourself in a traveling lifestyle where you're a traveler so you're open to experience and Mm. and meeting people and then any yacht you know there might be up to like 10 yachts anchored it. In there in one night with like two or three people four people on a yacht you know mm, yeah. so it's like you could have nights where there's 30 people sitting on the beach having a fire you know and you've meeting these people that have sailed from someplace around the world someone from the mainland someone from Tasmania you know what I mean like this boat's come from France y- mm. you know it's just like so that's what I'm excited about but I don't see it as dare that trip daring I just see me that's really in my capable level mm. you know what I mean I don't yeah. see any of it as a challenge really mm. Where before I was looking at it like, oh, I've got to like find my water source, I'm yeah, going to do this, and like it was a challenge. I was like, I was ready for it, mm. and now like learning this, I'm like, Whoa. Oh, yeah,
0: actually, I can do this. Yeah,
1: and so I don't need to always challenge myself and mm. push myself. I just like to every so often, mm. I like to just to um, I like to just to humble me. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure the bike trip did it. You know, when you cross that mountain range, <laughs> you, you know what I mean. It's just like putting yourself in that scenario. You come out the other side, realizing like realizing a lot of shit that just humbles you (laughs) you know what I mean and so it's like every so often I like to just check myself back Mm -hmm. in you know what I mean that's cool yeah what for you now that you're a family man and and a businessman and and a husband Mm -hmm. you know like what's what's your life now with adventure and 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 what's to come Mm.
0: the million dollar question yeah I mean even talking to you you know you're saying you're getting butterflies and you're and you're T- stomach you know so am mm. i <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um i want to go I, i'm i i i have days or weeks where i really yearn for for getting out there and not not just for for one or two nighter but 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 for bigger trips you know it's funny how like with work now it's you know I, i'm very fortunate that i've been able to create this company with some fucking awesome people and you know that celebrate this get that gets people outdoors but often what i'm finding is that my role within it now is I'm at like the back office fucking adventurer, right? I'm getting yeah. everyone else to go and have all the fun. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm, I, and uh, I need to to live, you know, what we stand for as much as I can. And, and the way I do that now is uh, I was on much smaller trips, man. And, um, you know, as he said, I've got a couple of kids and, and Jet's my eldest and he's four now. And he's sort of at the age where we can go off and do canoe trips together, you know, overnight canoe trips, which is oh, really? fucking magical in so many different ways. Canoeing for any, you know, for any dads that listen, you know, it's, it's incredible because you can just load the bloody thing up with all sorts of stuff and not worry too much about weight. You know, when you're hiking, you've got to put it on your back. When you're cycling, you've got to lug it, you know, uh, up up mountains. But canoeing, you know, you can kind of just go with the flow and just just load the bloody thing up. So, you know, we do lots of canoe trips and I'll take myself off for for nights in the woods just by myself just to sort of reconnect and sort of gather myself and a lot of pack rafting trips now as well, just sort of shorter, sharper ones. Uh, We did try and do one in Tassie. Went to go and do the Franklin recently. I say recently, it's probably last year uh bailed on day one mate too too rich for my blood really? this is a, this is this could be a whole other, whole other podcast but this was a this was a moment where we kind of pulled the pin on an adventure kind of early on because it was um we were we were very confident that we were in in over our head basically yeah with a very hectic whitewater river i mean the guy that kind of kind of invent not invented pack rafting but certainly made it kind of mainstream was a guy called roman dial and he sort of wrote the book on it quite literally um and he's paddled all over the world and he said that Tasmania, the Franklin River, is without a doubt the wildest, most stunning, incredible, challenging river that, that that's on earth, basically. And um, Had and you I just not read that part before <laughs> you <even> tried it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think delusional optimism yeah, is probably yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the thing. You know, like done a few little pack rafting trips on the Shoalhaven and the Clarence and yeah. the Boyder and stuff like that. And I thought, you know, we're ready for it. Spent sort of nine months planning the bloody, the bloody thing, and um, and got over there. And you know, when you just get a sense when you start something something just doesn't feel quite quite right um and with this one it was very much a case of uh yeah it just felt really part the river was powerful and um yeah it was a 10-day trip that we that we ended up sort of doing a day of and then sort of walking out because it was getting too too wild for us and we ended up just doing like you know lots of other kind of single um you know one or two day trips in tassie to sort of actually learn how to pack rough properly
1: but you should actually you should be so proud of that Mm. about making that decision, like realizing like mother nature's power and that like, you know, out of your, out of your level, it's, you know, cause I've done a few things where I've just jumped from zero to hero and, you know, pulled it off. But yeah. I, I do not preach it because it's like, yeah, I've done that when it's just been on me, but it's like, y- you can't, you've got to go, you've got to go within your comfort level. You know what I mean? You've got to yeah. learn a bit, jump up, jump up, jump up.
0: Definitely. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And, and that's exactly, I know you've done some crazy shit that has involved generally just going for it. And, um you know, what's the worst that can happen. And I think this was a good example of like, you know, now that I'm a dad, I definitely sort of changed, changed the way I thought about it. It's one thing kind of throwing yourself into a scenario. It's kind of a different when you've got people that kind of really depend on on you to be home. It changes things. It It just changed things. And, um, yeah, it was, it was still, it was. It turned out to be this, we had an amazing uh, trip down there, but it wasn't kind of what we uh, intended for it to be. I mean, we lost all our fucking paddles on the first day, pretty much. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we, we didn't have any spare paddles, I should say. And we had nine days left to go because um, even in the sort of like, what was supposedly the easier sections, we were kind of thrown strong, out and yeah. got trapped underwater on the first day. And yeah, it was all kind of a bit hectic. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so pack rafting, canoeing. Um, I love river-based kind of adventures over here. Uh, They they, they really, I don't know, I feel most comfortable out there. And, yeah, that sort of stuff.
1: That's sick. And and to also, like, bring your kids into that world. Yeah, exactly.
0: And it's just seeing bringing them into it is, uh, is pretty special seeing it through sort of fresh eyes is is quite special
1: would you be able to get the company to a place where you could take off for like a couple months
0: that's what i'm working on mate that's what you're working that's on that's the goal
1: that's, that's the goal yeah just that balance and that's 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 that's, the goal. that's a funny thing too so that's exactly what we're talking about that balance with it mm. but it's like yeah for like you and especially me it's like the balance it's like i've got to go a bit more you know you know for me it's like my my trips for me to balance myself need to be months <laughs> you know yeah, what i yeah, mean yeah, like yeah. it needs to be for me i really need to let go weekends do it for me as well and like same like a week somewhere it's like but i just need it's just gotta to be honest as, as long as it's something that just puts me in the just complete yeah, there exactly in the now it could be a day it could be a meditation you know it's just but the longer i i'm in that now zone the longer i stay in it after mm, that's yeah that sounds right all right, man.
0: Uh, we are explorers. We are explorers. dot com. I'm guessing. dot <laughs> co. dot <laughs> co. Mate, we couldn't get dot com. Oh, really? Yeah, we could, but I just didn't want to pay some guy three grand for it.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I probably should
0: have done. It's because it's worth a lot more now. In mate, fact, someone else has bought it and doing something else with it. So, well, who are they? Oh, some. Yeah, let's let's find out. <laughs> who
1: are they? Who are you? <laughs> nah, but dude, I love your content and especially your social media too.
0: Yeah, cool. I love yeah. everything
1: that's going up. I love everything it stands for. And like I said, like. If you want to collaborate with anything, like as in help me with tourism Queensland, yeah. if we're going to do something like that, I don't know treasure hunt man. You know what I mean? I'm down for anything. Yeah, anything that happens. But yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on, inspiring me, inspiring the listeners. You know, like telling us your story. It's just I've got butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm that excited. Yeah, thanks man.
0: Thank you. Just thank you, yes, say.
1: I hope okay. you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, put it on your social media story, tell your mum. Send me a message, send me a screenshot, or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway, or I'm going to see it on social media, and every week I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an o or Knife or a Dyers of the Wild Ones t-shirt. Enjoy, guys, and thanks for listening.
0: nya enggak kalah dari sayang apa Yeah, do it
1: like a double. (laughs)